And good evening, good evening, and welcome back to the Soul Citizens. Fast cart, I was still set on science fiction classics. <laughs> I had not changed <laughs> what the stream was supposed to be from War of the Worlds Friday. So I, at the last minute, said, oh my God, we're not on Star Citizens channel. Anyway, welcome to Star Citizens, everybody. I am Griffin Gaming RPG, and uh, once again, I'm back with an illustrious cast of characters knowledgeable star citizens and we have a very special guest who once again has gone above and beyond the call of duty for us and stepped in and filled in a gap for us and uh we're going to introduce him first today and that is mr shiver bathory shiver thank you for being here tonight we appreciate you buddy thank you for having me it's wonderful to be on a professional podcast <laughs> Oh, that's a shot across the bow because we know which podcasts you're on, at least the ones that you're not running. So, you know what? I don't want to uh, get no. any heat from those guys. <laughs> no, he's including the one that he run too. So. <laughs> okay. And by the way, how did, you, how did your, you said you guys went seven hours Friday night? Really? Seven hours and 23 minutes. Oh, and, 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 and what channel was that on? That's uh, over on Table of Horrors. If you want to catch some good TTRPG action, tune into someone else. But if you want to catch our show, tune in there. We do uh, Star Trek Adventures once a month and Vampire the Masquerade weekly. Yes. I loved the Halloween scene you had, the background with the flowing blood. and the, I loved it. It was so cool. It was a good, nice little Halloween treat there. It was very, very cool. And uh, next, we have our good friend, the professor himself, Kimmy65. What's up, Kimmy? Oh, man, I'm so excited. The Halloween, all the things that were happening, and definitely War of the Worlds. Shiver had his thing going on. Uh, it was it was amazing. You guys were all amazing. This, is, this was a really special weekend, and uh, what a way to uh, put the cherry on the top of this wonderful Sunday. Mm -hmm. Yep. It was a no busy. It was a busy. Yeah, it was a busy weekend. They put a, a cherry on the Sunday. That, I didn't even hear that until you said no pun intended. I'm, I'm tired, but that was good, Kimmy. Look, Kimmy, your jokes are better than certain people who I'll mention next. Fast cart. <laughs> our good friend, Shut Fast cart. The bow. <laughs> no, we have our good friend, uh, Mister Fast Cart himself, FC. How are you, Fast Cart? I'm good, here. thank you. Yes, I'm actually. And also, the, the, the cherry on top for, for today is that we had daylight savings, and that's yes. the cherry on top. Yeah. It, it, yeah. it, it's really been a busy weekend. Yeah, but don't say that to Shiver because he didn't get to take advantage of that extra hour of sleep. He's like consistent. We did. Yeah, so. He's consistent. Well, yeah. the good thing for Shiver is that now everything is, is an hour later for him, so he could more sleep. That's true. That's true. Well, it's good very. to Very. Have... Very. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because we know uh, no one got extra sleep last night, even though we got an extra hour. That is very, very true. Well, again, it's great to have everybody here today. And thank you guys for stopping in. J2, I saw you pop in. What's up? We've missed you, man. We haven't seen you in a little while. I know you've probably been busy, but it's good to see you are here with us tonight. And Daydream, thank you so much for that heart. Appreciate having you here. Black Tiger, thank you also for being here. Um, listen, we've got an interesting show tonight. Um... As you guys know, there's a lot going on with Star Citizen. Um, we're getting ready for the intergalactic, uh, what is it called? The Intergalactic Aerospace Expo. 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 Yeah. I always forget Aerospace. I can always remember Intergalactic Expo and forget Aerospace. 2950, and you guys know it's going to be held at Microtech this year, and folks are really, really pumped up. 
and so we are uh, looking forward to that. We've also went back into getting our inside Star Citizens and, and SCLs, uh, which was some good information on this past week that came out. Um, just real quick, uh, what did you guys think about the stuff they showed with UI in relation to the uh, HUD? Did you guys get a chance to see any of that? The new HUD layout? Yeah, we talked about it on Aegis Relay yesterday. Go ahead. <coughs> Kimmy, go ahead. It was definitely Aegis was the first and foremost of the UI interfacing, and we're we're now we're looking at the advent of ships now becoming a, a part of the the true interaction of the game, and these building blocks that they call the user interface is going to be something that's going to be consistent and it's going to carry through out all of the ships, but you're going to have a flavor, and Aegis was the one that they were saying this particular flavor of this manufacturer is is custom to that particular manufacturer. And then, uh, as they alluded to towards the end, that RSI is possibly the next one in line to get that that sort of uh, building blocks or UI. But it was great to see that. It was, this is the reason why we call him the professor. <laughs> Stop because it. he still didn't answer my question, which, oh, was, which was, what did you think of it? Just say, I liked it. I loved it. <laughs> there, there we go. <laughs> Enthusiasm he's, and energy coming he in. Has, he has all the information, love, which man. is great. I mean, hey, don't get me wrong. That's why we love Kimmy because love. Kimmy, Kimmy keeps up with all the tech info Ooh. and keeps us very much apprised of how things are moving in the roadmap. And he's one of the dedicated people who follows that. For a lot of us, we don't have the time or some of us don't even have the inclination to dig into it that way. But it's good that we have somebody on the show who's able to inform us because Chat, it does. Did you feel important. that excitement? Yes, I did feel the excitement. When you said wow. that you liked it, I really felt yeah, the excitement. But we still got to mess with you, though. We yeah. still got to mess with you because we, we technically did not answer the question. <laughs> okay. It's okay. It was no, great. He answered. He answered. There you go. There you go. That's what we want. There we go. There we go. Um, let's see. Shiver, what about you? Did you get to look at anything for Inside Star Citizen or anything? I did okay. uh, on Relay. I, I love the progress now that we're seeing Zane impart his knowledge on his entire team and the way that the HUD has been set up, mm -hmm. it's a lot easier for them moving forwards because they've, they've obviously got to have the template uh, put in there first. Then they can look at that and say Aegis has got to come first because it's probably going to be the most used mm -hmm. manufacturing squadron. Get that look on there. They know how that's going to look. Once it's modular as well, they can look at that and see how that's going to be able to apply lessons learned, what they can move around, what they can take away. And going forward, it's going to help them progress a lot more because new manufacturer comes in. Well, that's easy for us. We just need to take out this, move this to there, move that to there. Mm. So I think it's great on all fronts, not just on us as a user to for eye candy, but mm. behind the scenes as well, it's going to make their life a lot easier because I think it was previously built in Flash. And now that they're actually using... Yes. Um, in-game assets to be able to render these things probably using rend um, render to texture technology or something based off of that it's going to make their life a lot easier it's going to make impact on the server a lot easier as well because right now without iCache and things like that it's being rendered for you even if you're not in the ship mm -hmm. so once mm -hmm. iCache comes in that's going to help with that sort of thing because it, it looks nicer it looks flashier yeah no pun intended yeah, but it, I can. There was, I think it was Viking who said it does look a bit busy, mm -hmm. but you might be intimidated when you first get in your ship and you're like, "What the hell is this?" But it, it mm -hmm. becomes second nature to you, mm -hmm. much like using a hotas when you first get a hotas and it's got yes. a bazillion buttons on it. You just end up learning 
through muscle memory and it's probably going to be very similar with the hud as well you're just gonna be like oh there's my speed over there and there's that over there there's how much chaff how much flare yeah good to go yeah, there's, there's another issue, wow. too. There's some things that they are including, and this is going to get tweaked, guys. What we saw, obviously, the other day uh, is one of the first iterations that they're showing us, and I'm sure they've had other iterations before that. But I would think that when they start talking about the physical, physicalized aspects of the cockpit itself, there will be some things that will literally be because certain panels on the ship versus everything being in the HUD. Right now, to be honest with you, that new HUD layout did not bother me. I actually like the fact that it was spread out a little bit more across the glass and that everything wasn't centralized into that middle area. Uh, because unfortunately, as you guys know, one of the big negatives is that when you hit something like a bright spot, if your center area that you're pointing at is in there, you lose everything to identify, whether it's your altimeter, speed, whatever. So the fact that they're spread out, to me, is, is, is definitely a much better option. Um, I'm going to move on. Fast card. Oh, go ahead. Before you go to say I was going to ask you something different, but go ahead. I'll let you go ahead and answer what you're going to say. Uh, okay. If you want to be quick, I'll, I'll be quick. I'll, so the, the, uh, you mentioned it was an Aegis manufacturer. You could say that they're that the putting Aegis before beauty. <laughs> Kimmy, next that time. That was absolutely wasn't bad. Kimmy, Kimmy, next time he raises his finger, remind me to say, Griff, go on. Just, just tell me to say, Griff, go on. <laughs> Okay. So, <laughs> see, it, Griff, it, I, I can't blame you for the, saying that, Griff, because actually that wasn't bad. Yeah, but they've been this worse. Is to, this is to ding uh, FC for telling so many bad ones. You you, you get that one on, on just a, whatever on spike, <laughs> whatever you want to call it. Yes, pass. you you just get that automatically because you've been telling so many bad ones. You deserve that one anyway. Go ahead. Okay. Fair enough. Okay. So uh, one of the subjects that I know we're going to talk about a little bit later on is Death of a Spaceman. We, we guys, we know we were really excited about that subject coming up this past Friday. Uh, Chris Roberts made an appearance on uh, SCL and spent some time sharing, I'd, I'd probably almost say 70% uh, of... of uh, what calling all devs? Oh, calling all devs. I'm sorry. I said SCL. Sorry. Calling all devs. Uh, he, about 70% of what he said was stuff we've heard before. It's, as much of it hadn't changed from 2013, but there were a few new things, and, and one of them is cloning. But we're going to talk about that a little bit later because it has to do with our topic for tonight. Um, but anyway, I just kind of want to say that it was – what did you guys think of the show? Just real quick, was it was it informative to you, or was it kind of like, eh, I could have heard more? Uh, whoever wants to respond to that, I don't care. I was going to say, it, it, like you said, it's 70% stuff that we heard before, but the 30% the thirty that we did hear, I was really interested in. Because okay. we haven't heard an, had an update since in seven years, in 2013. Mm. So. Okay. Yeah. Well, I think it's I a bit strange say, that they're looking at the death yeah. of the game already. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. That were my jokes. Oh, that was a good one, though. See, fast card, take notes. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay, Kimmy. Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. But uh yeah, it, it was great to see Chris again, right? And he had a sense of He's humor. Uh, the demise of my death is as yeah was uh unsubstantiated, oh, mm -hmm. uh, it was untrue. And mm -hmm. I'm like he he walked in with jokes and it was like it was good to see him in good spirits and uh just just to hear him reiterate uh from you know the time period when they first introduced death of the spaceman and then to to hear what the concrete concept was or is up to this point it was interesting in that aspect uh there were some loopholes in there because it was just a generic uh explanation of it but it, yeah but again it was very interesting that 
the one wrinkle that they did add was the cloning aspect. And that was one of the things he did not speak of in the beginning. And so I was like, oh, okay, wait a minute. Okay. So uh, he added a little new wrinkle in there. So yeah, I thought it was interesting. And to hear him reiterate or stay consistent to what he previously said, that was interesting. I was surprised that we said that they said we can come back shorter. No, I know that's a joke. Never mind. Yeah, yeah, that was funny. That you know, a lot of us was literally taking that serious uh, fast car. You know, I wasn't. But and, I, and, but and I, Richard Tyler said that it was an example. You know, basically, if you dog your character or you disregard the the maintenance and health and well being of your character, then you know, with those bad habits or health habits. You're going to wake up with a cybernetic arm or a cybernetic eye. I'm throwing that in. That's my spin. But something unnatural has been taken away and replaced with something artificial or metallic. Uh, because you dogged than, your character. More machine than man right now. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it was, it was quite interesting, though, just to hear him stay consistent. So, Griffin, we, we can see you talking, things. but we can't hear you. Yeah, you're, you're muted, Griff. Yeah, I'm sorry, guys. Uh, no, I was going to say, I think the thing that really stood out to me was that it, over the years, we had started to get to a point, at least the community had get it started getting to a point where there was a lot of speculation about Death of a Spaceman because we hadn't heard anything. And there was a general tone of, well, it's probably going to change or it's not going to be the same. You know, there was all types of stuff coming up in relation to it or whether or not it, it could be possible to even do what Chris wanted to do. And so it was good to hear that the vision had not changed that much. But we also knew that there probably would be some changes just because of what of technology and the development of the game. So I don't think... We took, yeah, we didn't take Death of a Salesman as being Bible per se, but it was one of the things that sold a lot of people on the game. And I've always been kind of curious as to uh, how well players are going to do with Death of a, of a Spaceman. Now, for those of us who played games back in the day when you used to play a game, I think he used the example of Demon Souls. Uh, that's the most recent version of that. But but for those of you who who think Demon Souls was it, Chris alluded to the fact that back in the day when you played video games, that was how games were played. There was no respawning. <laughs> when you died, you died. Yeah. Some games didn't even yeah. allow you to save where you were, and you had to work your way all the way back through them. And we've gotten away from that. I like the fact that he used that example of almost it's like an arcade game. And for those of you who remember arcade games, you'd have maybe four or five men up there at the top of the screen and you'd have to make it through with those five, guys. Yeah. And you after that, that you if, that if you didn't get through it with those five guys, you had to chuck more money into the machine. And so um, yeah. in many ways, this death of a spaceman is going to be taking people back to a time that's very, very different. Um, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm wondering whether or not it will be a turnoff to some players. Now, the reason why I'm saying that is right now we do things in the game right now that are so, you know, just different little things that we do, right? And something happens and we get killed for no fault of our own. Just something happens and we get killed. And if that type of death that I die from is not some simple death like a shot in the arm, but maybe it's two or three explosions in a ship and I lose my character. How am I going to feel about that later when it wasn't of anything that I did? Maybe I just got attacked or something crazy happened. Is that going to be something that turns me off? Because now either my, my character is physically changed to maybe some case that I don't want it to be, or even to the point where I've got to create an all new character, pass my stuff on to another character. Is that going to be like, oh, this is something to look forward to. 
Or am I going to be really pissed because I wasn't in some deep battle somewhere or doing something where I really thought, you know, that I have to worry about some great threat. If that happened two or three times in succession to the point where it totally kills my character off, how am I going to feel about that? And I'm not against it. I'm just presenting a scenario, and I'm curious for yeah. a generation of gamers who are not used to dying the hard way. There's some people who don't play games like Demon Souls because they just they'll rage quit. They'll throw their TV out the window playing yeah. a game like that. Uh, and I, I'm just saying that that's the way it is. I know it could be like that. So I'm just kind of curious. Do you guys think that people will adapt to it? I mean, for the fact that we've been waiting and being this patient with the project, and a lot of us that are that are part of this project uh, are, are mostly adults, right? And in what way? Yeah. But to that, with, with, with the people who do follow, who, who really follow the project and have that understanding of what's going on, uh, they understand that Chris has a legacy of gaming and then he's imprinting his DNA of making games into this game because at the end of the day, it's his game. Yeah, we're here to support and, and help carve it and shape it out. But at the end of the day, it's his game. Mm -hmm. And he heralds back to those old days of those legacy games, which why it was so much fun. And he's going to imprint that, whether we like it or not. But what you say, Griff, it, I think it's based on circumstances of what you get into. And it's all about, as, as uh, Sig or Star Citizen or Chris alluded to, it's about preparation. It's, mm -hmm. an, it's not... COD, your, your Call of Duty, where you strap right. in, you run and gun, and you take bullets, and then you get up, you, 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 you're, you're respawning, and then you're, you're going at it again. This is a, a, a space simulation, and that aspect of you prepare, you, um, you, you set things up, you, you, you reach out to friends amongst you to, to, to help you with these missions. So based on these circumstances, it's about the knowledge of what you're about to get into, and even then, when you're, you you may think that you're prepared, things kind of go could possibly go south. Mm -hmm. So with knowing that, I think it's it's a balance, and you can't get overstrung or, or or overstraught about what may happen. In some instances, we this is why we have these medical ships. This is why we have these capital ships that can allow you to to revive, or you go in uh, create a save point. As Chris alluded to, there's a save point. Uh, especially on some of the ships that we have, like the Cutlass Red or the uh, 890 Jump or the um, Carrot. Apollo. You, you have these facilities that you do a save. And that's for respond. now. But that's for now. Later on, those facilities are not going to operate that way. You got to remember that. They're not going to operate that way. A Cutlass Red is going to be for healing level three wounds or level one wounds, whatever it is, and that's it. Not respawning. Same thing with the, unless you have the top tier bed that allows you to respawn, you're jacked. Let me give you an example, Kimmy, what my, what my point is. They better get rid of all 30Ks. <laughs> they better get rid of all of that exploding against a force field stuff. And they better get rid of, you know how when you try to quantum around a planet and instead it zooms you right into it? Because if I, if I, because if yeah, I die oh, yeah. from crazy stuff like that and I lose my character, I'm going to be hot mad. Now, if I lose my character <laughs> in relation to gameplay, I'm cool. So I know that they're slowly going to start implementing the medical piece. And I agree with you 100%. Don't get me wrong. I think you're right. You've got to be prepared. When the game is running in its full form, you're absolutely right. When you go out there, you got to be prepared for the possibility that you may not come back, just like you said. I think your point is, is well made there. Go ahead, Fast Card. More to, more to your question. I think people who are like, oh, 
closer, closer to the OG backers, like maybe they came in like 2016 or before. Mm-hmm. They already most m- most of the fans already knew about Death of Face Man, but the newer players may not, and it may be some somewhat of, of, a, of an adjustment, especially someone who comes in. Citizen, right when it goes live, because you know they want to check out the game and see what it's like. They get into PvP, PvP too much. They may find that they have to um, transfer the character because they died too many times without 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 healing the injury and stuff like that. So, so yeah, so it's a balance, and I, I I think I think that'll be mostly where the line is. But I could be wrong. Well, I'm gonna toss in Shady Faze's statement here because we got to get moving into the show, guys. But Shady Faze yeah. says some of us want to create a story for our characters. And that story will have more meaning when there is a real risk of permadeath and losing most of your rep with whatever faction. So he's saying, I get it. I want to create a character, but I also understand that that's going to be weighing in the background, that that's the risk, as Kimmy said, that's the risk I'm going to be taking when I go out into the verse. Uh, let me hit, Shiver, did you want to say anything before we get into the show? Because we got to get into the show, otherwise we'll be talking I'll, about this forever. I'll be quick and think and just say that I think that the fun needs to outweigh the frustration mm, as long as yes. the process and the journey is fun mm-hmm. it won't matter as much it won't hurt as much because you get this new fun journey ahead of you to make up for the loss nice yes good way to put it thank you for wrapping that that's very cool guys there's a link that's popping up from time to time which you'll see for St. Jude Hospital can rap? some of you guys know I that on, I was, oh, wasn't going to say anything fast car I was just going to take the compliment <laughs> <laughs> well, some of you guys know on Friday we did a fundraiser for St. Jude Children's Hospital and today is the last day for the fundraiser so if you guys want to click on that link and check it out if you would like to donate we were our goal was a thousand dollars we were very blessed to have folks who from the community who gave exceeded beyond that I think we're near $1,700. It'd be great Ooh. to get it up to 2000 and double our goal. Uh, if you guys want to contribute to that, we would say do that versus doing any type of subscriptions or donations to us, because uh, it would be really great to be able to give St. Jude's Hospital awesome. uh, something that way. So Over 9000 Yes, so when, yeah, right. So when you guys see the link come up, please, uh, if you take a look at it, and if you are able to donate and give to it, we'd really, really appreciate that. Okay, so let's go ahead and jump into our show. Um, again, the title of our show today was The Eye of Dangerous Ple- uh, Galaxies, and we're going to be talking about... Uh, three games in particular, EVE Online, Elite Dangerous, and Star Wars Galaxies. I'm going to do a quick survey of our group here. Fastcart, what did you play out of those three games? Did you play any of them? Which one? EVE Online. You were EVE, Eve Online, Online, man. All right, Kimmy, what about you? Did you play any of those games? Uh, no Star Wars. I was. Uh, I remember Elite Dangerous. It kind of scared me with the $14 or $15 a month subscription. Okay. I was very interested in it. Okay. And Star Wars Galaxy, I dabbled a little bit. Okay. And Shiver, what about you? I played EVE Online for years. Uh, I played Star Wars Galaxy for about an hour, and that was post-New Game patch, and I can see why people didn't get on with it. Uh, and I played Elite Dangerous. That's why I didn't play it. Okay, okay. So I'm the only person who has played all three of those games for more than a year. I think I probably played Knuckles Deep. Hey, thank you for the follow. Good to see you. Uh, I want to say I played E for six years. I played Star Wars Galaxies for three years. And I played Elite Dangerous for about a year and a half. So that's about my range on those three games. So <clears throat> so those of you who are in chat, uh, real quick, raise your hand. Throw up, throw up a shout if you played Eve online. Throw something in there and let us know. We'd like to know how many people out there played Eve. Because uh, what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at a couple of trailers. And, uh, <laughs> and we're going to take a look at... Uh, one of the actual combat issues in there and uh we're, black intellect good to see you 
and we're going to uh, and we're going to talk about that. So let's take a look at the first one, which is going to be uh, Eve. Let's see what we got here. Eve Online is a vast universe, alive with the unrelenting activity and combined history of its players. Pursuing lives of adventure, warfare, and prosperity, they share this existence in the biggest single shard, free-to-play MMO of all time. Set 21,000 years in the future, Eve takes place in a distant cluster of over 7,000 star systems known as New Eden. It is a rich and diverse universe featuring densely populated havens of relative safety governed by four great empires. Hostile systems where player alliances make the rules. Even regions of anomalous and unexplored space that hold their own secrets. You play as a capsuleer a revered breed of highly trained pilot, having achieved immortality through the use of cloning technology. You navigate the universe encased in an armored capsule deep within your ship, where you have complete neural control and function as one. There are hundreds of ships to fly in EVE. Everything from small, nimble craft and versatile mid-range vessels to formidable warships and colossal freighters. Each has advantages and suited roles, but all are completely customizable as you decide how to equip and arm them. What you do in New Eden is entirely up to you. Eve's immense sandbox gives you the opportunity to choose between multiple professions and activities. The key to this unique customization of your playstyle is skill training. This is a passive process and it continues whether you are in or out of game. As a new player, you can focus on one specific area in order to quickly reach the same level of specialization as a veteran. So be adventurous and explore new avenues of development for your character, as you can always change role and reinvent yourself if desired. If you want to fight, Combat in EVE can involve solo missions against non-player adversaries or small group skirmishes, while for some, it can even be the thrill of fleeting up with thousands of fellow pilots and battling over disputed territory. If you want to explore, then the discovery of uncharted space and ancient regions that promise riches, danger and adventure await you. You can also engage in the business of prosperity, be it industry, mining, 
or even interstellar piracy. The beauty of life in New Eden is that all of these activities, and many more, can be done alone or with others. A unique in-game market, unprecedented in scale and degree of player control, is the beating heart of New Eden. Players are responsible for the manufacture of almost everything you can buy or sell. The gathering and refinement of resources, the building of ships, equipment, and even some space stations. EVE's players are core to how the universe is filled and how the economy thrives. Players in EVE can band together to form corporations where they can enrich their experience, learn new elements of gameplay, and share their wealth and goals. When these player-run corporations grow to become larger entities, they can merge with other corps to form alliances. Powerful alliances regularly compete for control and influence over large areas of space, waging wars and engaging in record-breaking battles. Even taking down well-defended, sprawling, player-built space stations. In the spirit of exploration and mystery, new content and experiences are constantly introduced into the universe, with over a decade of free expansions leading to continual development and evolution of gameplay. While every action and decision has consequences for the universe and its hundreds of thousands of players, the game remains very much about your unique adventure and story. A story that will forever be woven into the fabric of Eve. Almost we can go into play. Okay. Almost. Almost. <laughs> okay. Uh, just a little piece on that. And I just want for those of you who may not know why we're showing these videos. The reason why we're doing this is that we're today talking about whether or not CIG can learn anything from the history of games such as EVE Online, Elite Dangerous, or Star Wars Galaxies. Uh, these games came out beforehand. They've been out for quite a while, in fact. They were out for several years. Uh, Star Wars Galaxies, even though it's no longer being run by uh, Sony Online Entertainment, there are some folks running it on servers and still playing it even today. So what we want to do is kind of look at, you know, what's the meat we can take and what are the bones we can spit out when it comes to these three games or whether or not, you know, CIG has something entirely different and there's nothing that they can really pull from these games. So uh, let me start with Shiver because you probably were in it longer, I think, than even me. Um, and you're the guest. Um, from your memories of EVE and, and, and also what you observe from CIG's development, are there things that you see paralleling it? Are there things that you think that maybe they aren't doing that they should consider? Or are you seeing some things that Absolutely. you definitely don't want to see in the game? Uh, EVE Online is very, very much a game that you should play with a group of people. You can only get so far 
on your own or with a very small group, there is a hard gate, literally a hard gate. Uh, once you get to a certain point, you can no longer really sustain yourself just doing PvE. You will want to get into PvP. The game is built around the idea of PvP from the very market to territory to enjoying yourself. And the a lot of enjoyment comes from the amount of time you have invested into the game into your character, into your inventory. You will want to get to Nullsec to earn the big, big bucks. And back, back when I played, uh, it was a subscription game, but you could it was unique to an extent in that you could actually use in-game money to pay for your subscription. You would have to go to Nullsec, really, in order to get that amount of money to pay for your own subscription and still have enough time to actually play the game. The problem with that is... Nullsec is extremely heavily guarded because it's so lucrative. You need to know someone to get you in there because you might get lucky and try and sneak your way in, but that's extremely unlikely because of these things called gate campers and the big corporations that do own pieces of Nullsec or do gate it off for you. 24-7, there is someone who has been told to sit on this gate and shoot you as soon as you come in because in Nullsec, there is no real consequences to it. I mean, your security rating goes down, but you live in Nullsec, so you don't care. Simple as that. Driss has said himself, he doesn't want that in the game. He wants you to be able to go and see everything in Star Citizen, which I personally think is a fantastic thing, a great thing. He wants gate camping to not be a thing. Gate camping is extremely annoying, but also understandable because, you know, it's get off my lawn. You don't, you don't <coughs> want someone walking into your um, property and taking the oil that's on your property for instance and you can understand that but at the same time he also does want that much in personal investment in your time in the game in your character because when you do get lost you want you want to feel it not just oh i've, I've lost my character it's all right i'll go and get a new one that's kind of emotional investment in a game is what he's striving for and and has already achieved in many of us so that kind of aspect is where they're going for that that is where they can take from eve on a positive that is what they can not have in eve as well is no gate camping see as much of the game as you can and as much as you want question um something you said about the fact that pvp is so crucial to the game my failure with eve even though i played it for six years uh was when i came into it i remember coming into it because i was leaving star wars galaxies and I remember I saw the marketing for it. I saw the whole thing of like what she said, like you can play the game the way you want to. And there was at the time, the ads that they were running were saying that you could be an entrepreneur, you could be a trader, you could be a, you know, all these different careers, right? And I came in the game out of the Star Wars Galaxies experience, figuring that I could go do those things, right? And I learned about, you know, low, high and mid and null sec right security guys if you don't know what sec is that's the security levels of different areas of space um initially it was no big deal i could get into high and mid and sometimes even low without a problem no you definitely as you mentioned you want to be with an org if you're out there playing around oh, but no, what i started finding happening was was that people were creeping in from null and low and coming into mid and even high sec for the sole, for the sole reason of being on the leaderboard and that was it and I'm a role player, right? I'm a role player. 
So when I'm playing the game, I'm if I'm a miner, I'm out there to mine because in my head, I'm out there to generate money uh, for myself, uh, to create an economy within the game, right? So that people in their orgs can bake ships. Well, my frustration, and the guys on here have heard me say this before, my frustration was as a miner, I would have my multi-million dollar mining ship with millions and millions of dollars of whatever on it. There'd be somebody that would come up to me with a ship that cost 20,000 isk. <laughs> Blow me up. Looking at looking they, at you, Shiver. They'd get that mark on the leaderboard. Now, mind you, let me let me. I want to I want to clarify this. They get their mark on the leaderboard. Okay. It didn't bother me that that happened. What bothered me was that there was no repercussion in the system or the economy that would have affected the people in that system. In other words, the prices of ships didn't go up. Prices of resources didn't go up. Price of weapons didn't go up. And that was what bothered me. If, if there had been some form of repercussion, hey, if you guys keep messing with the miners here, ships are going to cost more money. You know what I mean? Because they because they they purported that there was this, this economic engine that existed. But even bounty hunting was broken the entire time I was in there. So when people like Shiver did take me out, I could not even put a bounty on him. My only recourse would have been to get my org to come after him. And now with that process, I've made my org vulnerable because if his org is bigger than mine, now we've stepped into a whole different type of hornet's nest. So there were aspects climate. about the gameplay because other things were broken that I didn't like. And after a while, because I was in a much small, I was in a, in a big org, I was in a small org. After a while, it drove me crazy. And it, to a point where it became distasteful to play the game, because unless you were in one of the larger, larger orgs that pretty much dominated an area where they could guarantee your safety, it would be a problem. Now I did, and I'll make this real quick. I did have another case though, where I was in null space in somebody's area and these guys surrounded me. They disabled me slightly and they were like, pay up. These guys have heard me tell this story before. They said, pay up. And I'm like, well, what do you want? They said, pay us 20 million. And so mind you, I had like hundreds of millions, right? I'm like, oh, I'm just a poor miner. I've only got about 12 million on me. And they're like, ah, so then I finally got them to negotiate to like 14 million, something like that. And I paid them. Now, mind you, they could have blown me up. They didn't. They said, all right, get out of here. And they let me go. That's the level of role play that I enjoy. I enjoy that. That that I have no problem with them getting 15 million bucks off of me. I did have a problem with the guy that blew me up only because, even if it was through a self-destruct, only because he just wanted to get on the leaderboard. And that did drive me crazy. But that was my personal thing. So, uh, he did, Shiver. You drove Griffin and quit the game. It's all your fault. <laughs> I was trying to provoke a war because that... it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of people enjoy. Don't get me wrong. I mean, that's Eve's reputation. I mean, if the PvP aspect, other than its learning curve, its learning curve is the other thing that is very. Oh well known yeah, for. we didn't it even is, cover that. It is no small joke to learn Eve. I think somebody wrote even in chat that. Playing Eve was great, but it, if you're going to be serious about it, it sucks your life away. You literally put in hours. It was it was your main thing. You couldn't do anything. It, it became a full a part time job to some people, especially if you're in a big alliance and they, and they have a schedule that you're not on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Let me ask this fast card. Why do you think people are so serious about Eve? What what is it about that game that people are so to the point where they could be at work and somebody calls them up and say something, starting to leave the job and come home? And get in the game. Oh my God! They set an alarm clock to um to wake up at three o'clock in the morning to in order to um attack some base or whatever. Yeah. Uh, what what was it about it? 
I don't. It, it was it was one of the more adult game or mature game when it first came out. Like mm-hmm. most of the other things, like like World of Warcraft, you know, fourteen year olds can can get, can get in and, and play it. Mm-hmm. Eve Online, it, a fourteen year old will likely not have the patience it takes to level a um, level up to in order to fight a um, carrier or a dreadnought. It takes months and months and months. I mean, just you can level up and, and um. A skill up and 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 get into a carrier or a dreadnought, but you need the weapons and the shield and engineering stuff. To, you know, also, and that takes even longer. Because if you just get into the ship and try to fly around, you get blown up and, and you'll lose millions or billions of this, depending on what, what you what. Got. Uh, oh, I think it was just uh, just just that level of pre- pre- the, com- the commitment that the people put into it rewarded rewarded them. Shiver, let me toss this at you, and then we'll let Kimmy give us his feedback from what he's hearing from us. And well, there's another video I'm going to show in a second. Um, I remember first time I, the big first big ship I bought uh, Shiver was a Nix, and I got the blueprint for it and had it built the drone ship, and I love that thing. It was so cool. But to see people like they said go to the point of where they were building the Titans the very large ones, which would sometimes take two to three months in real time just to get built in the game. Yeah, oh, built, a, yeah. It would get built, mm-hmm. but it took a long time to get the blueprint. You had to get all the resources and material. It was no joke to play that. So give us your experience of Shiver a little bit with Eve. Uh, we, we did a little bit of everything without getting into NullSec. We were a very small group, so we we, we trolled people in high sec, mm-hmm. but it was, it was good fun. Mm-hmm. We, I think... Uh, peak of our golden age uh, we built our own uh, pos in high sec mm. and one of the corps that we were at war with because uh, we were only seven or eight people and oh, wow. they were 20 odd we lured them to the pos and <laughs> that went really well for us <laughs> but when it was um you know in between wars we would go to um oh i think it was dodixie which was a Galente trade hub. Yes, it, it wasn't, was. It, it yep. was a Jita of yep. that place. Yep. It wasn't a Jita, but it was close. And we would just throw out a cargo container. And if someone was stupid enough to say, "Ooh, what's in here?" we'd have them. <coughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But we did. We did a little bit of everything. Uh, the scanning in that game, the scanning exploration mechanic. Yes. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, that's yes. something. That was fantastic. I love their scanning. Throw out these probes, mm-hmm. get readouts back, zero in on a frequency and warp to it. That yes. was wonderful. And I just sort of near the end, they brought in planetary interaction, which was a bit. Uh, yeah, but I didn't do that. It, it has a lot going on to it and a lot more to it. So when I first started, someone did an honest trailer of Eve, mm. and very much like the one that you just showed, mm-hmm. and it had this incredible battles. And then it flipped to the actual in-game, and it was just a ship stood there. Press F1. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely. Can I, can, can I give my point to what I thought, uh, yeah. what I took away from that trailer? Because it, it has been watched to play, but mm-hmm. um, I, I brought in the big battles. They, they, they can probably um, had those in, in Star Citizen. The economy, which is really robust, they can bring that in. Manufacturing. That's mm-hmm. another thing. Um, they, they, recently, they talk about um, the, the Idris kill, taking out players who misbehave in, in, in the PU. That's like Concord in, 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 um, in mm-hmm. the... In the Concord was the, poli- um, was the police, basically. Mm-hmm. Police, yes. And, and, and um, declaring wars and war decking, I think 
I don't know if that's, that would really work in Star Citizen, but it, 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 it's a thought. It could work. But, uh, we're contracting items. We're, we're looking forward to people um, giving money and stuff like that between players. War decks are going to be used to troll. Yeah. Because mm, yeah. there's nothing to stop you apart from a very small amount of money to keep the war going. And the other person, once you've been war decked, has no say in the matter. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, that, that just so if they could tweak that, maybe maybe it'll work out, or maybe you're like you have a cooldown between between war ducks, something like that. I don't know. Uh, the last thing I have is the patch schedule. Um, Eve Online used to, or maybe still does, have a the quarterly schedule for um, expansions and patches. So. Yeah, they would they would have major patches when they would do that. The, but the problem with the patches was is that the stuff that was still broken would never get fixed, and they keep introducing new stuff, which drove me crazy. This next, <laughs> this next video we're going to show is for Kimmy because I want Kimmy to get an opportunity to see what a battle sequence is, and I want to get his response to that. Then you and the three of us will give him the real deal of what he's seen. But I, I want to <laughs> I want to give him the opportunity to his eyes to see it and see how he perceives it. Okay. And this is real, Kimmy. What you're hearing? These are different orgs getting together to fight. Oh, this one. I remember this one. Okay, what we're gonna do, guys, is we're gonna sit 10k off a target, we're gonna blap it really quick, and then we're gonna warp to the run spot. Does that make sense? Outstanding. Yep. Okay, stand by. So, hey guys, here's the deal they got their prophecy fleet up, and then Razor also has an Oracle fleet. So, we should have some interesting stuff about to happen. So, it's gonna be like this we're going to portal through. And at the same time, the triage carriers are going to jump, just the triage carriers at first. Everyone clear? Let me see. Oh, crap. I think, will we be able to take on Guardians? Yeah, they got four Guardians. I don't think we should I don't do this. we can do this. Don't worry about that. Now we're going to fucking play some fun games. Wow, it's racing. Relax. Always alive. Primary is the Dominics in five, four, three, two. Decloak, decloak, torpedoes on the Dominics, Dominics, Dominics. Orbit on me, Michael Warp Tribe's on, we're moving. Secondary's Vipers in the Omen. He's in structure, take him down. Dude, that revelation out now. All mutes on the ramp. Find out towards that guy, jump now. All dance on the damnation, all dance on the damnation. Senator, stay here and tackle prophecies. This is where we fight. Alright. So, I'm carrying a hundred times more than my ship is worth. There were some pirates chasing me. Um, this one guy chased me through like five different systems. I need to get the fuck out of the system. This little rock right here is worth about 166 million isk. For some people, this might not be a big deal, but for me, it's huge. Seller 4.2, pretty nice. Gonna produce four of them. Two days, 19 hours, 11 minutes, 44 seconds. We can expect to make eight to 10 million around there. 51 out of 56 grit. Okay, good. And we've got five modules to fit in here. The ship's speed is actually pretty good. It can hit 4K a second. We're gonna hurt that now by adding on some armor buffer. Up, success. Yeah. Thanks, dude. Yeah, it's so much fun. Oh, yeah, such fun. It's almost done now. Like, uh, less than a week. Oh, look. Okay, Whoa. Wow! Wow! <laughs> that is actually king. Oh, yeah. I'll give you the down. I'll give you the down. Go, go, go. Sun's down. Portal, portal. Primary. 
gate is green, gate is green. Sniper skills to long range, utilize B and C. And we got idle and green, come on. Oh shit, how do I work this thing? E-war drone, all E-war drones on Scott. Why are you decloaking? Hot, so it'll be the secondary. Oh my god, that's a Titan! Holy shit! Let's go, get those fucking bombs out, Red Group, fire up, Gold Group, stand by! Come on, boys! Okay, Kimmy, <laughs> give us your uh, thoughts from what you saw. Uh, amazing. I mean, you couldn't have gotten that better than a Hollywood script with actors doing a movie or sci-fi movie. Mm -hmm. um, but with that said, I mean, as someone just wanting to play with these guys, mm -hmm. uh, I would have to, I, I kind of feel as though I would have to know someone Mm -hmm. in order to just get in uh and and i can't help but uh look at the community of star citizen how they are so different in a great way uh to the instance of what i've heard what you guys talked about and other players of eve what they alluded to was uh how you know you you're either you're in or you're out <laughs> and but it, it just just goes to show that if you're in man you are in it is cool but for someone new trying to break into this thing, uh, it, it, it could be tough. Yeah, you're, but you're, again, you're reading it right because the learning curve on this game, Kimmy, seriously, it. If somebody put in chat, if you notice, he said spreadsheet simulator five thousand. There, there are people <laughs> so who literally Steve. run spreadsheets for this game. It is yeah. no joke. The yeah. learning. They curve added on one it. to the game uh, as a feature. Mm -hmm. it, it's, it's not for me. Mm -hmm. But that's not to say that Eve is is bad or mm -hmm. Eve is it's just not for me. Right. Because I just want to get in at times and play and, and get the experience on my own. Mm -hmm. But then also I want to be able to interact and meet people. Um, it doesn't feel that way or welcoming as mm -hmm. far as Eve. It, mm -hmm. do, it does not feel welcoming. But again, it's it's amazing to see that kind of coordination and communication mm -hmm. and that camaraderie mm -hmm. in the game. But uh, yeah, far pass for me, but. Uh, I'll, I'll say this to you, Kimmy, the visually, it was probably the most beautiful game I'd seen until yes. we've gotten to Star Citizen. It I is agree. gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. Was, it, I it, do it, agree. It is incredibly gorgeous. The, the, the video that we're looking at does not do it justice, but I will also say this to point that you just mentioned, and I'd love to hear Shiver and Fastcard's thoughts on this. Uh, what, what it was was everything was third person. Everything was yes. exterior, right? We, there there we're were no here. interiors. We're <laughs> and so, Shiver, yes. to, to my question to you, if you remember, there was a point that. when CCP tried to introduce, begin the idea of introducing a social module. Were you one of the people for it, against it, or indifferent to it at the time? I'm curious. I mean, everyone wanted walking in stations. Uh, they, uh, was it Eve? Fest, Eve Con, Eve Fest. Fest. They would, you know, they would tease you with these wonderful preview videos of here's what we have. This is the station, very much like what Star Citizen is doing right now. And you mm -hmm. can walk around. You can go to a shop. You can sell your wares in these shops. 
And then when they actually released Incarna, which was their first mm -hmm. iteration of walking in stations, you got a room that had no actual point to it, and a lot of people just turned it off because. And it was and it was a resource hog. It posed your computer. Oh wow! Yeah. No, it was. It was. It, you had to have a pretty sturdy computer to run it. But I will say this: it caught my attention. I wanted yeah. them to develop that. I really did. All you had was an apartment, like Shiver said, and you had like a balcony. You'd walk down this hallway to a balcony, and you could see your ship out there hovering outside of it. And when you came and into you your room, you had a couch, you had a television set. I mean, there was some stuff there that nice. you could just lightly interact with. But but now, you, fast carton, Shiver, you tell me if I'm wrong. The community barked about it because the idea was that ultimately when you went to space stations, that was where you could get out and interact. But there were people who did not want it. I think they were more afraid of it becoming kind of gimmicky, kind of like what World of Warcraft and other games were. And they didn't see the what the social dynamic. They were satisfied with the social dynamic of just being able to communicate through and was it the Discord, whatever the, whatever the channel thing was we were using at the time. Yeah. Right? Uh, right. But that whole wow. idea of physically interacting in a bar or you know what i mean or a docking port or whatever it it didn't grasp at the time it was totally missed Go ahead, Fescar. i think it was, i think it was, i think it was because i'm oh, sorry i think it was because um the shit the, the captain quarters itself holds their computers so much they were afraid that or some people were afraid that when they introduced more more walking station mm -hmm. it would be unplayable like completely unplayable uh -huh. for, for, for some people Mm. And but 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 as far as the other stuff, I I didn't really see see it that much. But yeah, back in the day, they didn't have Discord. They used Ventrilo or Mumble and yeah. stuff like that to yeah. to communicate. And um, that, that that was the primary way of communicating. People uh, had, and even Line introduced in in game voice chat. Right. But it was yeah, people didn't use it. Right. Shiver, were you gonna say something? I've got a lot of fun facts for you about this one. Okay. Uh, when they released Incarna, people were livid mm -hmm. that they introduced a cash shop in the game as well. Now, bear in yes. mind, at this point, it's oh, still yeah. a subscription-based game as well. And they yes. sold a monocle for your character for $80. <laughs> I remember that. Yes, I remember that. Oh, it was yeah, monocle game. I forgot all about that. Grab. The what, store. What was that about? Oh... What was the monocle about? Because it, you could customize was, your characters, basically. It was all aesthetic as stuff. You know, it, oh. it, it, it's like a flare and Star Citizen, but you, you know, you, you could wear it. You put a monocle, you could wear like oh a, a monocle God. on your character. And but it was charged 70, 70, yeah. 70 real life dollars for it. It was crazy. And and the yeah. other stuff is, the, the, the other thing is, they had a t-shirt in-game that you can buy. The t-shirt in-game was $20, $20 USD. But you can buy a real life T-shirt, and for the merch store for nineteen ninety five. The in game item was more expensive than a physical item. And and, oh and, this, and 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 they had the greatest, the greatest, You want to talk about greatest good, Shiver? No, no. Okay, okay. Um, they had a. Uh, it was an in. How do you say? It? In, in, in company um, publication, I forgot the name of the in company publication, oh, yeah. but it had articles within it, and one of the articles was was published by one of the, the, the was written by one of the, the one of the developers that greed is good, and someone who went to the headquarters of some place picked up one of the um, magazine and took it home and scanned it and put it on the version of Reddit back in the day. Mm -hmm. 
and it caused an uproar. People started leaving, leaving the game. They had a, a riot in Jeddah. As a matter of fact, they, they, they commemorated the riot in Jeddah by putting a monument or in a monument in that you know so and so so this day and stuff like that. That was that was kind of funny. Yeah, but they lost money real bad, yeah. and that's when they, and that's when they moved away from marketing station and just focused on their, their base game again. Their person. Yeah, they, 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 there's a lot of things about Eve that has been very controversial. Some of you all remember when they've had wars that have lasted two, three days uh, in, in real time where these guys go into battles. articles and, about it. Yeah, and, and literally thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars are spent or, or, or just lost, <laughs> if you want to look at it that way, think, in the game. I think we'll do that in Star Citizen. Uh, and that's what I was going to ask you, you know, will we ever see epic battles at that level? I mean, for those of us who, and I think that's one of the reasons why people who want LTI, a lot of us are former EVE players. <laughs> because in EVE, when you lost your ship, it was gone. Uh, and no matter how many millions you spent in ISK to get that ship, you literally either had to have a lot of money to start over or, or whatever the case may be. It was, it was or you had a, a, a cheap, a cheap $20, $20,000, $20,000 ISK figure that yep, you didn't exactly. care about. Exactly, exactly. I'm happy about nine to one ratio of NPCs. Uh, well, that's definitely. the other thing. That was the other thing that came me, I'll tell you, that was frustrating about this game. I also came into this game because of the lore. I, you know, I usually do homework on games like this before I go into them. And there were four mm. races in the game, the Amar, the Galente, and I forget what the other two were. But Remitar I and Kildari. And, uh, right. Oh, wow. and, and so I Mintar. thought when I came into the game. Mintar. Mintar. Here, here's the nice. thing. I thought when I came into Mimitar. the game. I thought when I came into the game that I would pick one of those races, right? One of those one of those groups, and it would be like our group against the other group, something to that effect, yes. right? And I thought that if I was Galente, I should fly Galente ships, right? That's what I thought. Until I got in the game and found out that it didn't make a difference what ship you flew. There was no designation of or your Galente or your Amar because that's what I kind of got into it for, thinking that there would be like these these squabbles over certain areas and re no, it had nothing to do with that. So in other words, if I was in an Amar ship and I saw your Amar ship, you would think, oh, that's another Amar person, right? <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh you my could gosh. get blown up by somebody else who's in the same type of ship you're in. Oh so there was God. no identifying markers. So it was a lot of learning about the game and finding out that a lot of what was there, or at least to me, the way it was marketed and presented was not necessarily the way the game played out. And with me being a role player, now if you're not a role player, it's not a big deal. But for me to be a role player, I, when I first came to the game, I thought Amar ships were the coolest thing. I hated their whole background, but I thought they had the coolest looking yeah, ships. Yeah, I, did, and, I and, was turned up at the background. And, and so I, I didn't go with them. I went with Galente, but I, but then I was going. I'm going to. I bought every Galente. I had all the Galente ships, and then later on in the game, I started buying some other ones. So it was frustrating to to not think that there was any. Like in Star Citizen, there's lore behind these like different the ships. Lore is about Drake. Right. There's lore about... You're a pirate. Uh, you didn't have that yeah. in this game. It wasn't there. Were you going to say Fast Card? And I want to show this next video because J2 mentioned something. Oh. It's this next video. Oh, before oh, we sorry, move on, I, I, I've got I, one I, more I, fact about Eve. Oh, okay, sure. Go ahead. You, you first. Okay. Uh, sorry. Uh, now, I, uh, my first character was, was, was Remitar because the, 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 other, the other races, I couldn't make a character to look like me. Remitar was, was, <laughs> yeah. was the only one that had um, black, black character. That's right. That's right. There's only Lando Calrissian in space. <laughs> uh, at the time that uh, CCP released Incarna, they actually had the uh, 
World of Darkness license oh. and Incarna <laughs> was uh, touted up as using their new carbon engine and was supposed to be the prototype for the Vampire the Masquerade MMO they were working on at the time. Oh, um, yes. Which never got released. And if you oh, do wow. a little bit of Googling out there, you can find they had no idea what they were doing with this thing. Uh, wow. One of the comments from great. a developer was... They had a comment from a developer who had a producer come up behind him and he would literally say, I don't know, it looks a bit... Mm, can you make it more... <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Okay. Holy Interesting. Smokes. All right. Well, I'm going to throw this in, and I'm sure both uh, and this can be this little part. I think you'll get a kick out of uh, CCP at one point. I think it was around 2010, 2011. I can't remember what year it was. Uh -huh. They proceeded to introduce a new aspect to the game, uh, other than the social module, which I felt was a big faux pas for them that they missed out on. The next thing they introduced was a game called. Anybody remember? Now this is what it was, Kimmy. Everything in Eve was in space. Everything. If you were yeah. to do mining on a planet, all you did was kind of get an overview. You didn't go down on a planet. You just kind of got like an overview of it and you could place where you wanted the mining stations to be. You let them run and you go somewhere and you'd come back later and whatever resources were mined, you would, you, you know, you put them on your ship and, and, you know, and go sell them, right? That was the way it worked. Oh, wow. Dust 542 was when we heard this about, we'll be able to go on planets and do ground battles. So I was excited when oh, I heard wow. the idea. So, okay, they're going to expand the game into a different way. Yeah. And it became basically like a Call of Duty, right? That was going to be on different planets. Now, that was cool because it, it introduced a new aspect of the game. We couldn't walk yeah. around on ships, but we could go down More on planets. Well, some genius at CCP said, well, these guys have all these powerful computers. We're not going to make it PC-based. We're going to make it on the PlayStation. Huh? Okay. Okay. Citizen Nomad, thank you for the follow. Sh Slow Baby, thank you for the follow. Yeah, that's huh is right, Kibby. So here's the deal. <laughs> here's the deal. This is how it would play. Me and Shiver and, and Fastcart are in our ships in the game, in space, on our PCs. You would go into your PS3 at the time, load no. Dust 514, and you and your PS3 fans would be down no. there doing stuff. And then you could contact me and Shiver and say, hey, I need a ground strike from us from space, an orbital strike. So then we would, if we were, if we, if we were able to communicate and, and we were on at the same time <laughs> and everything else, we would come to whatever planet you told us to, and we would do an orbital strike for you so that you could take over a base or a location. Now, first of all, it was it, money grab. Let's give you some history. It was the very one of the very first cross-platform games to do something like that. The problem was is that it totally excluded PC players from having any uh, interactions. Limitations. Other than yes. now, if they made it PC, I thought it was going to be great. I said, "Oh my God, we're going to be able to go on plan." But instead, they and then of course the PS3 people had no interactions in space. They were just basically doing um um what do you call it um FPS FPS. And that was it. So that let's take a quick, I know. Let's take a quick look at it so you can see what it was like. Because this is what you're going to oh see now gosh. is dust. It doesn't make any sense at all. All fire teams, this is command. Hostiles have taken the Skyfire battery. We have a team pinned down inside the control room. They will not hold. I had forgotten about this. We're going to insert from the west to mine them some time. 
fools to even try. But I'm a mercenary. I don't judge your ambitions. I only judge what you can afford. Pay my price, and I'll strike down the heavens. I've fought your war a thousand times and won them all. And I know this is the moment that will change everything. On this day, the blood I spill will bring down an empire, and the world will burn before your very eyes. They will remember us, and they'll remember what happened here. On this battlefield, one shot can change the course of history, and you're going to be the one that takes it. Right, they could shoot up from the planet too. Forgot about that. Mm -hmm. So, it's, give me your feedback, Kimmy. What do you What do you think? <laughs> as a As a company, I have to look at it as a the perspective of being a company or business. Mm -hmm. You're leaving money on the table. What genius <laughs> kind of chopped off the right hand and told the programmers get back to work? Mm -hmm. That's a good that's a good point because that was part of the problem. The reason why the game ended was because they said they weren't generating enough money, even though we think that they probably were, but they said they weren't generating enough money from the PS3 end of it. Because the big thing about Eve that everybody knew about it was space, right? It wasn't about it being an FPS. And so it would have been so much smarter to allow PC players PCs. to have that level of play. You know, even if it's just that I log even if I just logged in to the FPS on the ground, the that would have made sense. But for them to go, yeah, I was gonna say if you, if, if you could actually use your E player and do some ground combat, that that, that would have been so, so much better. But yeah. from a business standpoint, you include everybody. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> with the capability. Even so if it's a console, limit the console players to FPS. But you also include the PC players in the FPS aspect of the game as yeah. well. Well, it didn't. It didn't. Money. Happen. Yeah, it didn't. Business. It, they, I don't get it. When they first revealed it, it was going to be the new planet side on multiple different planets with interaction from right. Eve Online. And then when they released it, it was uh, an <laughs> FPS in a few different arenas on one planet, and I think the planet was in Nullsec anyway. Mm -hmm. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah. Think. I, Don't quote I, me on that one, though. I ended up playing it. So I think somebody in chat said they played it for two days, and that was it. I think I played it for about a week, maybe two weeks. The problem was coordinating. You had to get a whole new set of friends because your friends that were in okay. EVE more than likely weren't playing that. So now I had, to have PC, I had to have PS3 friends who were playing, you know, freaking PlayStation Home and trying to get them to start playing EVE, That's which ridiculous. just did not click. It was... It was it Someone's was a faux pas. That was their second faux pas for me, and uh, and they ended up stepping away from it. But I will say this: people who got into got into it, they said it was probably one of the best FPS games because of the amount of customization and things that you could do, uh, even compared to Call of Duty. They they said it was really really good. It just didn't connect those two worlds, like you said, Kimmy. The PC world and the PS3 world just there was no connection. It was even hard. To connect, I, there was no way for me to send out a beacon or notifies. You know, I mean, Eve is so much. There's so much to Eve's gameplay about who you can play with, who you can trust, uh, who you have relationship with. You just can't put out a beacon and just anybody. Hey, we need somebody to help us, because more than likely they'd blow you up. 
you could, there's just no way there was no build in how you could build relationships. So it was just it was just funky. It was really just two funky. words to sum up uh, Eve on that faux pas. Mm-hmm. Two words, <laughs> three hundred million. <laughs> Best card. Were you going to say something before we go to the next one? Are we going to talk about Eve Valkyrie at all? I wasn't. You can't. You can talk about it a little bit. Yeah, feel free. I don't have anything on it because I didn't want to. Believe they don't have anything on it. Okay. Yeah. They, a few years later, they they came up with with another space game. I think it was VR, VR. Base, but it was, mm-hmm. um, it, for, uh, uh, it was stick, uh, stick and throttle based um e based game. I don't know what the connection to Eve it was or if there was any connection. I just remember seeing a trailer and saying, "Oh, that's cool." I yeah. gotta play it. I played it. I played <laughs> it. It was visually beautiful. Visually, it was beautiful. Yeah, uh, that's you, what you yeah, launched out of the ship and you, on a rail. Yeah, it, it was. You you, you launched oh, out. that's what it was. You literally yeah, launched out it, yeah. into a battle. You didn't go find one. As soon as you launched out, you were in the middle of a battle and you fought for a while. I don't even remember how it ended because you end up eventually getting blown up. Uh, maybe somebody in chat remembers Valkyrie. What the whole objective was with it. Visually, it was beautiful. It was one of the. It was at the beginning of when VR was starting to kind of pick up a little bit more when we were getting beyond just those little demos, but it was more kind of, it wasn't a full game, but it was it was a lot more than what a lot of the VR demos were at the time. And it is beautiful, now, beautiful game if you get to see it. Go ahead, Fesco, I'm sorry. And now they have Eve, Eve Echoes and, and um, for mobile uh, mobile devices. So it's, it's like, they, 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 I don't, I haven't played it yet or anything, but you know, it's basically Eve Online on your mobile, mobile device. Because the game has been out for 17 years, so it'll play on, your, your, your current device that you that you the software that they had originally. So you, I, 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 it's not connected to Eve. They had their own Jita. They had their own economy and stuff like that. But yeah, they have a mobile game now. It's one of the old guard MMOs, along with uh, World of Warcraft mm-hmm. and yeah. Eve. And I, I can't remember what the third one was, but that's probably defunct by now. But it's, mm-hmm. it's still knocking around and. For the longest time, you could actually play on dial-up, even when proper internet was available. They they were still mm-hmm. supporting dial-up. Mm. Wow. Yeah. 28.8, 336, yeah. 56K. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. It, let's, let's it was different in its presentation, but it, it still had, mm-hmm. at its core, it still had the, the tenants of an MMO. You had uh, energy, yes. which was basically stamina you had your hull which was basically your health yeah yeah it wasn't too far away from the mold but it made itself unique and looked different enough that it appealed to a niche amount of people Mm -hmm. gamers will love it yeah okay let's jump into our next one we're going to change the channel here from eve online uh let me let me well real quick and i'll just and kimmy if you want to toss in something from what you saw that's fine fast cart if there's something that they could take from eve and bring to star citizen that you think would be a good thing what would it be some of the economy aspect, that's what I'm most interested in. And manufacturing. Economy, okay. Shiver, what about you? The size of the game. Uh, someone calculated if you wanted to visit every single uh, system in EVE, it would take something like 27, 28 years. Mm-hmm. And that was before they added the whole wormhole space right. as well. Right, right, I forgot all about that. That's true. Kimmy, was there anything you saw that stuck out that you would like to see happen? I know you talked about like the social, the connecting when they were in the battle scene. Yes, the just the communication aspect uh, that was really cool. Uh, uh, make once we get Star System really rolling, uh, 
they they really want to make sure that the communication or the comm system is mm -hmm. really robust and it's going to support these numbers of players. It's something for them to think about once we go into that server meshing thing and getting these player counts up. I thought that was really amazing to see uh, the actual players communicating, and I thought it was a movie script. It mm -hmm. could have you can take that and put it into a movie script, and it works. Mm -hmm. So yeah, make a robust communication system. Uh, definitely a great takeaway for Star Citizen to start working on. Mm -hmm. I say one last thing about Eve. I think the Eve Fest and the Citizen Con. I've never been to an Eve Fest, so I can't really say personal, but I think they're, they're kind of comparable, even though Star Citizen isn't out yet. We already have a convention, so we already have that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the thing I would probably say I would like to uh, see, I mean, it, it, there's a lot of parts to Eve. Um, the communication part that Kimmy mentioned, I think, is definitely important for a game like this. But the thing about Eve that, that I remember what drew me in was that Eve was on a single shard. All those people were playing yes. on a single shard. Yes. Uh, now, mind you, they don't have all the detail and all the craziness that we have in Star Citizen, so they didn't have to worry about that. But I am looking forward to the time when there are literally if hundreds, if not thousands of people who are able to be on. Because when those battles happen in Eve, there are thousands of people playing in those real battles time. in real time, which is an amazing thing to yeah, see. Good so, point. That to, to, to be able to see our servers grow beyond, I know, and I know they will beyond the the fifty to one hundred to two hundred to five hundred. Even if it was five hundred people, a thousand, I, that would even be impressive to me. But to be able to see the to see us get to higher numbers, that's going to be the thing that's going to stick with me. Okay, so let's jump into our next one, which is going to be Elite Dangerous. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, Star Wars Galaxies. Star Wars Galaxies. Uh -huh. um, I, for many of you, Admiral Kusanagi, good to see you. For all you people who are crazy Star Wars fans, if you were SG player, raise your hand in chat. Let us know. Um, definitely, definitely, definitely. Uh, we're going to talk about that in a little bit, Admiral. We touched on it a little bit before you got here, but we're going to come back and talk about it. Let's, uh, let's look at the Star Wars Galaxies. This was out in 2003 believe it or not, for all you youngsters in the room, 2003, <laughs> and it was produced by SOE, that favorite company of all of us, Sony Online Entertainment, <laughs> that we all want to, well, I won't say what we want to do to them, but let's take a look at them. <laughs> I love that uh, logo. We'll always love that logo. Griff, can we hear you? 
No, we can't. He's talking. We don't hear him. I am so sorry. I muted myself because I was typing. My apologies. I said, let me give you a little background on this real quick. Uh, what you yeah. saw for the hand of animations and things, those were all emotes. And you literally got used to using emotes in this game big time. There was no voice chatting at the time for this game for most people. Mm. Uh, there was basically typing in whatever you want to say. So there were bubbles above people's heads when they talk like a comic book. Uh, but people really got into it. And I think some of it was timing. This was 2003. Uh, it was at a time yeah. when gamers were, and, and, and just people in general, were very hungry for Star Wars stuff because we hadn't gotten into all of the, we, we were just getting into the, the prequels and all that other stuff was going on. And for them to make a game, an MMO game, I, many of you all played games like, um, uh, was it called Jedi Academy and Dark Forces. But now those were all single player games. This one was one where you could get in with your friends. I will tell you this, at the time, those graphics look funky now. At the time, they looked unbelievable. Amazing. When you would put you your headphones on, computer. you could hear the wind blowing. John Williams's soundtrack was in the background. All that of the sound, sound right effects, there. Yeah, all the sound effects they used from the films were all in the game. Uh, LucasArts produced this, and the distribution was under Sony Online Entertainment. It was a gorgeous game at the time to play, and they continue to expand it. So I want to look at the next video real quick and show you that one, then we'll talk about it a little bit. This one is where they brought up the first expansion, which when the game first came out, all you could do was be on planets. And, you, and just to tell you how bad it was, not only were you on a planet, you ran everywhere. There were no vehicles. There were no animals. As the game progressed, they finally brought in vehicles and animals so that you could get places much faster. But you would literally spend 30 minutes running from one location to another. Once vehicles came in, that turned into like five minutes. So you can imagine how happy we were to finally get vehicles. And then this is when they bring in Jump to Lightspeed where Space Combat came in. So let's take a look at that. You're going to see a little bit of both games at this point here. Jump to Lightspeed was the next like module that upgraded. galaxies and empire divided hundreds of thousands of players meet in the star wars universe to create their own star wars heroes to, to engage in battle against the empire and to unlock the secrets of the force now get ready to jump to light speed Introducing a revolutionary new system of real-time space combat and exploration. Fly and fight in classic Star Wars Starfighters. Customize and build your own starship. Explore 10 huge new space sectors. And embark on over 100 new story-driven space missions. Star Wars Galaxies and Empire Divided. Available now. Star Wars Galaxies Jump to Light Speed. Available Fall 2004. 
Okay, and I forgot there's one more trailer I'm going to show you. This is when the final expansion came up. Now, Travin said a couple things here I want to mention. One, he said that TeamSpeak and Ventrilo were the big things. You're right, Travin. I, I didn't mean that there was no audio communication. I meant there was nothing in-game. Because that's how I found out about TeamSpeak was when I was playing SWG. For those of you who know, that's what we used to call it was SWG. Uh, the other thing that he mentioned is about Jedi killed the game. And let me explain what that is. In, in this game, what made it very unique was that there were 33 distinct careers, literally 33 oh. careers in this game. And you were not restricted. You could do two care, I think up to at least two, if I'm not mistaken, Travis, correct me if I'm wrong. I think it was two careers that you could, you could have, a main and a secondary. Um, the main thing that everybody, of course, would want to be is a Jedi, right? You would think that that was, oh man, I want to be a Jedi. In order to be a Jedi, when the first game came, when it first came out, you had to do all 33 careers. You had to achieve all of them. Wow. Then once you did that, you released a holocron, and then eventually it led you to some journey where you would finally find a kyber crystal, and then you would have to assemble your own lightsaber, and then you would become a Jedi. It took Real quick. How long, how long? How long did it take to do all oh, this? Oh, it took. People were grinding for months, literally months. It took, like, it took years just to right? get the holocron. Wow. I mean, a long time. Now, now Travis says, depending on what professions you did, you could do it in three. True. There were some people. It was some randomizer because sometimes you had to do all thirty-three. Some people might only do twenty-seven. Some people might only do seventeen. But whatever it was, you had to reach a certain level in those different careers. Okay. Once you got the lightsaber, then you started being able to get built the skills. So you basically became like an apprentice and worked your way up. I will tell you this, for the first year or two playing that game, you rarely saw a Jedi. And the reason why you rarely saw a Jedi was in the universe. Jedi, if somebody saw them, bounty hunters would come after them. So sometimes you would be somewhere like in a cantina or a bar or something, and Hunting. something would break out, and you'd, you'd hear a lightsaber come out, and literally... People would run from everywhere to see a Jedi. That's how prized it was to have that position. Later on, they reduced it from 33 characters. I forget what they called it. Travis, maybe you could tell me what they called it when they changed it. They reduced it because they, there was a lot of bugs, and they said, oh, we're going to make it much more approachable. They went from 33 characters to six characters. And you could pick being a Jedi from the very beginning. And when they did that, it killed it. Because, of course, you know most people picked being a Jedi, right? And yeah, permadeath had bad. Oh so, yeah, that was another thing. all over the place. They had a different version of permadeath in the game too, which was really amazing. So let's look at this last trailer, and then we'll talk about it a little bit. Oops, sorry. This is—is is this right? I think I hit the wrong one. Most I did. Hold on one second. I hit the wrong one. It was a bit mystical as well, the, the game as a whole, and then I, I think the For over 25 uh, years, the Star Wars like, saga has captured generations. Fans worldwide have always enjoyed becoming a part of the adventure. But what if you could turn on your PC, connect to the internet, and completely immerse yourself in an online Star Wars universe? Filled with hundreds of thousands of people. Now you.
you can. Star Wars Galaxies, the total experience. You can live the adventure 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Become a Jedi, a bounty hunter, a rebel commando, or one of over 30 different professions. Make friends and meet new people as you embark on hundreds of story-driven missions to help save the galaxy from the forces of the dark side. Or maybe create a dark side of your own. Then blast into the skies and engage your enemies in real-time dogfights. Or take your friends for a ride in over 30 different starships, including Millennium Falcon-style transports. Build and run your own player cities, create your own weapons and ships, or even visit legendary Star Wars locations like Jabba's Palace Wait, in the most icily cantina. Space, and for the first time ever, content from the highly anticipated final film, Star Wars Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith. Travel to Kashyyyk, the home planet of the Wookiees, and film. join in on over 100 new Episode Three adventures. Everything you need to fulfill your ultimate Star Wars fantasy is now together in one package. Look for it at a new low price of $29.95. Buy now and get an exclusive in-game vehicle only available with purchase. $29.95, I'm in. The total experience. Your online adventure in the Star Wars universe awaits. Available May 26th. And, and just to show you, um, if you notice the, the launch date for that, uh, they were still kind of tying in the whole month of May for Star Wars stuff, even when they would do those upgrades. Yeah. So, you know, the, the interesting thing about that um, is that they added things like Kashyyyk and other things into the game uh, that definitely made it, um, you know, something that people wanted to, to play. Uh, if you were into Star Wars, it was the it was the best thing to do on a social level. Um, yeah. and, and, and again, I'll say this last point and then you guys can give commentary. Uh, I want to go back to those careers. In this game, there were people who picked a career and that was exclusively what they did. Some people would do double careers. But there were people, and I've, I've mentioned this before on Soul Citizens, there were people who would just be a doctor. And that was all they did. There would be somebody who was a... Uh, uh, what do you call it? A, uh, a not a seamstress, but someone who made clothing, tailor. and that was all tailor. they did. A tailor, thank you. A tailor. Some people were farmers, and that was all they did. And they made their Everybody money. Dan yeah, they were just a dancer in a bar. Dancer in a bar in the cantina, or a musician in the bar, <laughs> and that was all they did. Because what they did was they structured an economy. It was a living economy, and you could live off of just doing those things. I I I managed a player city. I had 200 people who lived oh, there. Oh, really? And when I managed that player city, I struck a deal with somebody who made clothing. This guy made all 200 uniforms for my people. He would also do our armor and other stuff. And that's all he did. And all of our players, when they would go out and do things in the game, they would pay a certain amount of money into the org and we would get all their stuff for them. There was another guy who did nothing but weapons. He basically, what they call it, splicing. He, you'd get a base weapon and he would constantly make it better and better. There was always, the better you were as a splicer, 
the better your chances were of making a better weapon and not destroying it. If your skills weren't that great, you could destroy somebody's weapon if you weren't good. But there were people who'd spent nothing but time to build up their skills so that they could splice and make better weapons for other people. There were people who were doctors who literally just sat and when you went out and had a battle and got your butt kicked, they had this thing that was like permadeath. They called it black rot. But the more you would get hurt, they would do things to buff you so that you wouldn't get hurt so bad. Or dancers who were in a cantina and danced. And when you went to see a dancer, the black rot would go away and you would get restored. Think of it as if your constitution got lowered. If you watched a dancer and listened to musicians, your constitution would return back to a good place where you could go out and fight again. So it forced people to go into cantinas and hang around and talk to people and buy drinks or whatever. So they had this economy that worked. And so whether or not Star Citizen will go that route, it seems like Chris is trying to do that in some ways where we are dependent upon each other. But I thought what they had in there was amazing. So you guys can talk to him whatever you want. <laughs> so, so, so what you're saying is I can go to Star Citizen and dance in a bar and I, I can make people feel good. Well, Chris, not you, Chris, no, fast car. But Chris did say that NPCs, there would be NPC entertainers. And the question is why? Because we've talked about this thing about Chris doesn't put stuff in the game for no reason. <laughs> is there a reason why there will be entertainers other than just visually they're there? Maybe they do have some purpose in the game. Shiver, you said you played for a little bit, not very long, right? Yeah, about oh, not long. Not long. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. So I'm really the only one who did the Star Wars Galaxy thing. Yeah, I would. I would go on. I would go on to start playing, but it was after the new player experience came around. So That's I what it was, it was called. Crap after the so new player. Thank you. The new player experience. Did they ever add in Vulcan? No, 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 no. <laughs> they added Kashyyyk and they added what was the? I think it was a Mustafar. I want to say Mustafar was in there. Uh, Dathomir was in there. They used a lot of the lore. A lot of the lore was in the game, too. Uh, you guys remember the thing that, if you noticed in that last video, you saw Jabba the Hutt was in there? His palace was in the game. You could go there, and all those people were there when you went in. You could go mm. to a certain place and run into Princess Leia. You could find go and find R2-D2. I mean, they put parts mm. of the game in it. I'm sorry, what did you say? You said lore. Is it movie, books, or both? Both. Both. Both, which, which, was, which was really good. Um... You could do, remember the, uh, what's the ship called? The, the blockade runner that was in the original Star Wars film? There was a mission that you would actually get transported up to that same, and it looked just like the blockade runner the first time we saw Darth Vader with the White Halls, and you'd go in and have a battle in there, just like in the first one. They, they really did a lot of good stuff with the game, but unfortunately, Gladestone, I, say, I saw you said you were in it too, but SOE messed it up. They, there was a lot of bugs, there were a lot of problems, but when it went to the new player experience, it killed it. It, it really did. I mean, who who would want to play the other profession when you could play a, a, a Jedi or, or or a smuggler? I mean, yeah. I can see people playing smuggler, but uh, Jedi was where it out. And the thing is, also, can this is coming off the heels of the first Kotor, Knights of the Old Republic, mm -hmm. and that was an awesome game that I played that game, and that was the one of the reasons why I wanted to play Star Wars Galaxies until I found out what what the mouth was about it. So, yep, that's a good point. This is the last video I want to show you for Star Wars Galaxies. This was the last 10 minutes. They had different servers for Star Wars Galaxies. This is on the Starfire server. It was the last 10 minutes of the game. And I want you to see, if you can see, how many people are just standing around counting down the last 10 minutes of the game. This happened on all the servers throughout the game. They gave people free fireworks and people just did one big celebration for 24 hours. And this was the last 10 minutes of it, where people were just saying goodbye to each other what and talking about it? how great it was. This was seven years after it launched, so this had to be 2010. 
Okay. About 20 seconds left. We've got a raid going on. Oh my god, Uber Nerd. Uber Nerd is giving us the raid with 128 people. Thank you, Uber Thank you so much. All the those who don't know, Uber Nerd was on our was on the um the show on Friday. He he was one of the voices, one of the cast. So thank you. Yes, he was. And all the nerds are coming over. Thank you guys, Uber. Thank you so much as always. He always thinks about us at the end of his day. But they are giving us the rate. There it is. <laughs> thank you, Uber Nerd. We appreciate it. Um, so Star Wars Galaxies, uh, I don't know if anybody wants to contribute anything that they saw that they think would be kind of cool, but lore was definitely a factor. And I would say that how important lore was because playing that game, lore meant something in the game and take into consideration. These were people who were already pre-educated from years and years of watching Star Wars, reading the comic books, reading the books. So creating a game for them. You see what I'm saying? Having all that in the background already in people's conscious and subconscious made entering into the game even better. Even better, you know? I'm like I think, I'm like one of the guys who never really got into it, but I'm, I'm taking a parallel here of looking at Star Citizen, looking at Star Wars Galaxy, and one has a platform to build from. When we're talking 1977 to maybe a year or two ago, we're talking about lore movies books yep uh you have a platform how can you how can you mess that up because uh, this was this was the classic example I, I, Kimmy, I mean, of the developer this was the classic example of the developer because 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 lucas arts was doing the game but think about it this is sony in online entertainment the same people that did freaking no man's sky i mean that that sony has screwed up plenty of games and not just sony other developers have done this they had 250,000 people playing this game, I think, at one particular point. There were a lot of people playing this game. And yet and still, whoever decided to make that big shift to that new player experience, when, and I'm telling you, this is when they lost the bulk of the people. When they went from 33 players, people had spent two, three years building That's their characters. All of those professions. Those professions were wiped out. They were gone. It wasn't like you could even keep what you were. You now became having to start a whole new person who would think to do that to players who've been playing a game for two or three years or four years? I don't know how long it was yeah. before new player experience came in. And publisher, imagine if you're you, on thank your 30-second... Thank second, you, uh, Uber your... Nerd, the publisher. Thank you for correcting me. Yes, the publisher did. And imagine uh... if you're on your 30-second profession. You only need one more profession to go to in order, in order to get the, oh, the hard one, and then the game changed. Yeah, or like yeah. I told you, people who spent three, four, five, six, seven months getting to Jedi, and now all you had to do was log into the game and just pick Jedi, right? I mean, it left a lot no. of bad taste in people's no. mouths. I don't yeah. know who the genius was who thought that was a great thing to do, but uh, yeah, that was it. Yes, NGE finished it off. Absolutely, Magellan. That that was the that was the killer. All the, all the Uber right. nerds, nerds, thank you all for coming. Thank you guys for hanging out with us. Thank We're you. talking about just so you guys will know. The title of the show is The Eve of Dangerous Galaxies. We're talking about can CIG learn anything from the good or bad of EVE yes. Online, Elite Dangerous, or Star Wars Galaxies. Go ahead, Fast Card. Uh, are you sure you didn't get that from Don't Be a Menace to South Central while drinking your juice in the hood? Oh, is that a play <laughs> oh, on that no, at all? Okay. Oh, no. Vadex, thank <laughs> no, you for you the follow. <laughs> Mythar, thank you for the follow. Captain um, Kirk 23, yeah. thank you for the follow. Thank you, thank you, thank you, guys. Lost Magellan, a couple of things. 
some of the things I think they could uh, start citizen could maybe pick up maybe exploration. I didn't know how exploration was um was handled in Star Wars Galaxy, but uh, I'm pretty sure pe people in enjoyed exploration in that game. Also, the storytelling. You said you say lore, but I'm saying storytelling. You could probably pick that up. From what I can tell, the storytelling should be good in Fighting Forty Two. It was when I told you I managed a player city. I literally went to Naboo and they literally recreated the city of Naboo just like it was in the movie. So you could walk into to the princess's palace. You know, you could get in a car and ride around. Uh, if you went to Dathomir, the Dathomir witches that we never saw in the games but were in the stories were there. The the crate dragon was there with the pearl. There'd be 150, 200 people out there trying to kill this dragon, but only one person could find the pearl. I mean, there was a lot <coughs> of great stuff that they had in the game that people were very excited about. I think it was, once again... The benefit to this game was that Star Wars was in the consciousness of gamers and to be able to someone to say, we've created the world. Now you can step into it with the John yes. Williams music, with the sound effects from the film. All that stuff really meant something to players that decided to get into it. So it was very, very cool. Um, okay, so we're going to shift gears here. And I think if there's anything that I would contribute CIG, you guys are already doing it with lore. Lore is so important, and making it important in this is going to be a part of you know what's going to make the success for Star Citizen. Uh, Captain Fire Kirk, set. I said hi to you. Uh, KSD Seven, Hyper, thank you for the follow. Friar Seven, thank you for the follow. All right, we're going to get into the one that's going to really stir the pot here, and that's going to be Elite Dangerous. So I'm going to show mm. you guys one of the initial trailers for it, and then we're going to talk about where Elite Dangerous is and where it's going. And then we can give some feedback on that. Okay, so let's take a look at... This is one of the initial trailers for Elite Dangerous. Okay. Steve IMD, thank you for the follow. Okay, so we see that was in 2014. Uh, I kind of had to tr laugh a little bit. Travis says, Elite Dangerous does look fun. And then Dirk says, ED looks nothing like this. <laughs> 
So uh, <laughs> I was uh, wondering what when's that game coming out? Because that's not really dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um Many of you guys know that uh, Elite Dangerous, this is a remake of a game that came out, what, 20 years ago, 20, 30 years ago, almost, however long the original Elite was, 25. Yeah. Uh, David, was it David? Um, Braben. Braben uh, was the developer Braben. for this, or is the developer for this, and he and Chris Roberts are kind of out of the same old school of game development. Yes. And both of those names were names that people got very excited about when these games 84. were announced, uh, that, they, that they were making these new games. Of course, when Chris Roberts' name came up, um, people immediately thought of Wing Commander and felt that this was going to be Star Citizen would be the later generation of that. And same thing with David. David definitely mentioned that this was going to be an upgrade to the original e, uh, Elite. And it is very much very similar uh, to that game. Um, I guess to the, to the guys who are on today, and all of us have kind of had some experience in Elite Dangerous, uh, what are your feelings about the model? Because that's one of the big things that came up with this game. Uh, people talked about the fact that, well, why doesn't Star Citizen do like Elite does, right? Why didn't they put their game out and then build on it uh, versus this whole thing of us doing this PU, PTU thing and we don't really have a quote-unquote full, fully fleshed out game. Uh, do you see any pros and cons in that and any thoughts you have about Elite Dangerous? I'll, I'll start out with uh, Shiver, you're the guest today. Let's give me your thoughts on it. I got into Elite Dangerous. Uh, my name is Shiver and I have played Elite Dangerous. <laughs> I, got, uh, I got into it uh, towards Welcome, the end Shiver. of the Kickstarter. <laughs> I and, uh, I, I, it had been a while since I'd actually used a joystick. Don't say a word, fast car. <clears throat> I know what you're like. And I thought, I need to cut my teeth on something <laughs> so I can, you know, get used to something. I'm really stuck for words here. The fast cart's not going to turn into a horror. Ah! <laughs> He's chomping at the getting bit. Used, getting back to using a HOTAS because I, I, I was also a child of the early 80s and mouse was a new invention for Max. So it was basically your, your input was a joystick or the keyboard. And I haven't used a joystick since 1986. So I decided to cut my teeth on Elite Dangerous to get used to using a, a you know, a proper HOTAS that's been updated, mm -hmm. and it, it all comes flooding back to you. And then after about three hours, it's like, okay, novelty's worn off of this. I've done a few trade runs. I'll wait a bit. And I waited, and I waited, and I waited, and it, it didn't really add much all else to it. So there's this wonderful invention out there called Voice Attack. Mm -hmm. And I got into that. And that injected a lot of fun into the game. And then I realized after about two or three hours once again, I'm just doing trade runs. And I am not a trader. I cannot stand travel times and these mundane go there, go here. Don't be a trader, be loyal. Attacked. Hope that you're going to get attacked. Because at that point, the most exciting thing that you could do was get into a fight with another ship and, yeah... It was not like Random that trailer. It was yeah. very... It, it's Speed-wise, it's in between Star Citizen and Eve. It is real-time, but it's errs towards the more realistic aspects of space. Mm -hmm. So you are in a ship that feels clunky. You are in a heavy-feeling ship, mm -hmm. and it's nowhere near as fast as Star Citizen. And the, the combat just came down to jousting. Yeah, it did. Mm -hmm. Um... 
one of the things that is interesting about Eve when you play it is that there, uh, for me, and I could be wrong, I think the chat you might feel differently about this too. I never got the sense of scale in, in Elite. The ships are big in Elite. They're very big shivers. You mentioned they're, they're weighty. They're not these small, like in, even watching that video, you kind of got the impression that some of these ships were agile like fighters, but even the smallest ship in this game is a big ship. Um, and, and again, your pilot's view or third person view that's it uh and, and and there's no getting up and walking around uh even though that's something that they want to we're going to talk about a little bit later um i enjoyed playing elite when it first came out i remember i spent hours watching people who were playing it when it first came out and i was it was amazing it, it looked it looked beautiful um of course then there was also seeing the size of the systems that you can the traveling it's big it really is big when i got it i was very excited got very comfortable with flying uh docking those of you who've played eve know what docking is like in the game <laughs> at satellites it's no small task to do but i got and mastered that down uh i remember when we first were able to go down to a surface of a moon i did all of that stuff i got bored because the problem with elite for me was that there was no way to really connect with... I, I, at one point, I was in a very small org, and that was when I had the best time. But playing it solo, it was a pain. And particularly if you were playing on servers where... And nothing, I'm nothing against PvPers, but if you were on the PvPer ones, man, if you were just trying to do trade, it was like a constant thing that was going on with that. People who camped and waited for you, it was just it was always a pain for me. So I wasn't that crazy about it. I, it there's something about it with me... I just didn't stick with me with the game. Um, Kimmy or Fast Cart, either one of you guys, were you guys into Elite at all? Go ahead, Fast Cart. I, I was not in, in Elite. For, um, one of the things I heard about Elite when it first came out was like, it has... Don't worry, I got to <laughs> it has Sorry. um it's okay. Uh, it, 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 it's okay it, it has, it, it's very wide, it has a lot of systems on it, but the depth of it it's not too deep whereas mm -hmm. star citizen has a lot of depth but it's not very wide because it's, it's only it's only one system at, at the moment so um between those two choices i i stuck with um star citizen mm -hmm. also um i i didn't want to have to learn how to play either online and then jump back into star citizen and go back and forth so I, I i was too lazy to play um elite there are a lot of us that still talk about that the transition between the two because they both have a lot of controls to them and so even mm -hmm. with me when i go back to elite it's like i it takes me time to get back into just remembering how to leave out of a station it really does and i didn't want to have to deal with that yeah <laughs> it, 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 it is it is a little bit different definitely for sure um, yeah, Kimmy, but it was about two things. Yeah, Kimmy, now you said you were definitely familiar with the original 1984 Elite. Uh, when you yes. heard that he was making this update, were you kind of looking forward to seeing what it was, or did you just decide to say, eh, it's not my kind of thing? Well, definitely, uh, like you said, going back to 86 with David Draven as a develop, uh, programmer, have a tremendous respect for him uh, because he created this his first Elite game, uh, elite dangerous game was on it was on one three and a half diskette and it was this huge galaxy on one three and a half disc mm -hmm. uh it was all polygons and such but uh, uh it was it was incredible that he was able to put all that information on that diskette and again but here's the thing it, it was hard for me to really get into it fully mm -hmm. because it was the same thing from the beginning to what where it is now 
it was very sterile. Mm. And for me, it 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 equals boredom. Mm. Um, I I like the fact that he created or mimicked his his universe to ours, and it was built out, and you're able to go here and there and there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, the thing that was lacking, uh, unlike Star Citizen, was that everywhere was a, a moon crater. Every There was no life, and mm-hmm. there was no interaction. And it was just, if you were to dock at a, at, at a facility, it was just, you park, you, you get a, 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 a UI comes up, mm-hmm. you transfer, and you back out, and you go. Yeah. And it was like, uh I cringed because it was like I cannot sit there and do that. And even in regards of the PvP aspect of the game, yeah, that that brings some kind of variety. But at the end of the day, I needed so much more, mm-hmm. and uh, unfortunately, Kimmy. it did not work for me. Mm-hmm. Kimmy, do you cringe more or less than when you saw Disco Lando dress up as a vampire? Um, I cringed a little less because I liked the previous vampire because he had the I love full you, this outfit, girl. and I was like, "This was vampire on a budget," but he was good, All right. and he was hiding himself. I thought he was fantastic, <laughs> but oh, he was he oh was God. brilliant, man. He was brilliant, and then what he did with Pico and Brian Chambers, which was a late joke for me. And Mark I mean, Hamill, dude, was brilliant. He nailed it and killed it. <laughs> Literally killed it. Okay, well, listen. Let's take a look at where Eve, that's where Eve started with their first trailer. Many of you guys are Eve, elite, uh, not Eve players, I'm sorry, elite. That's where elite started with its trailer. Many of you all have played elite over the past few years. Uh, I do want to ask one other thing before we look at these next two pieces of trailer. Uh, when it came out, it came out with people being able to back it, right? There was some, you could have these different tiers yes. of which you could pay to Kick get into start. elite dangerous, yep. right? Uh, and it gave you the base game, some other things, gave you some early access. I think I was in the early access at some point, but Elite has also, when major updates have come out, charged for those updates. They went EA on you. $39 for the next <laughs> big upgrade. I think we went to Horizon was the last one I paid for, or Engineers. I can't remember. They've been doing that. Just recently, they just made Horizons free to all players. Now, I was just sharing with some people that I think that they're doing that as a strategic move because Odyssey is coming out next year. Yes. And I think that they don't want to have this thing where you have to pay for these multiple tiers because more than likely, you're going to have to pay for Odyssey. If they put out Odyssey for free, I'd be really, really shocked. I really would be. Um, They may. It would be great for the people who own the game. But something tells me they're making Horizons free so that the entry into... Because some people never paid for Odyssey. They, they, I mean, for Horizons. They, 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 just, they just said, I'm not paying for it. But if it's free now, that allows people to move directly into Odyssey when that comes out. So Alpha and, says Odyssey is paid content. Okay. The avatars. He says it and is I, paid and content. I, I forgot about the aspect. I forgot that um, Elite Dangerous, you had to pay for it also. I think when I when I was making the decision about um, Elite Dangerous, mm-hmm. I, I had already um, paid, paid for a paid Pa- uh, a physical package in Star Citizen, so I was like, I can do one right. or the other. I just, I just do Star Citizen, so that's the other reason why I stayed out of the league. Okay, yeah. so let's look at the developer diary that they just shared. There's two episodes; they're very short, they're four minutes a piece. Let's take a quick look at it, and then we'll give some comparisons and ideas in relation to what we see with Star Citizen.
Elite Dangerous is a, a fantastic game which spans back over pretty much four decades now. It's a massively multiplayer game in its current iteration uh, where you get to become a, a space pilot uh, and fly around the Milky Way and, and that Milky Way is, is represented one-to-one. -one. It's a fantastic technical achievement. With Odyssey, it's the development of everything that was cool and great and unique about the original game but taken forward and with a new dimension added and that new dimension is that you, you are now able to traverse this environment on foot. The first time even that you get out and you actually see your ship in front of you and you understand how massive these ships actually are is kind of awe-inspiring. It's actually really quite dangerous, you know, you are millimetres away from the vacuum or, or from a, a thin atmosphere that could kill you in an instant. So the idea that you were enclosed in this suit and you could hear your own breathing was a really important part of the experience as far as we were concerned. One of the key things I really wanted to push was the idea that you'd kind of get that Neil Armstrong moment when you actually set foot on a planet for the first time. It had to have a, a slight emotional resonance to it. It had to feel like you were literally touching the ground for the first time. It's some, something we've hinted at with the ships, but now you can really do it. Exploration's always been a huge part of Elite. What's new is the fact that for the first time we'd be able to visit planets with light atmospheres. We have all the, the data for these worlds that we create. Which planets have what types of atmospheres, their surface pressures, composition, their temperature. Now we get to recreate a few to explore. We're really striving to make our, our planets look fantastic from a, an on-foot perspective where you can get much, much closer to them. This is both with new rocky planets and new ice worlds, which look absolutely incredible. Worlds heavy in ice will end up with ice world-specific formations. You'll end up with uh, Linne, palimpsests, uh, cryovolcanism, um, worlds which are more rocky, you will end up with your mountains, your canyons, your ridges, your seas, basins like on the moon. The rocky planets have been upgraded to the point where now even the distant view looks so different. You're getting details that were never there before. Another exciting element uh, of these new planets and these new terrains which the uh, light atmosphere affords are, are some more vegetation, some more flora. The flora that we're producing, we've been really uh, interested in making sure that they feel like convergent life, so that they're recognisable to us um, as different genuses and species, but they are also quite alien in themselves. We want them to be plausible though. The first time a player encounters one of these new organic life forms, they'll be able to sample it and extract genetic data from that organic life form. They can then log that in their codec, but also take back some of that genetic information as data and then trade that for rewards back at starports and planet ports. Elite has always had a, a great heritage in, in allowing people to explore and, and rewarding them for finding things and obviously we're going to continue that on foot so we've got uh, billions and billions of planets out there and we're really wanting our community to engage, go into the black, set foot on new planets, get that moment where they are the first to set foot there and be able to report that back in. Exploration in particular I think generates those kind of magical moments where it's very, very difficult to, to, to get anything close to that um, playing anything else. It's something that's really unique to Elite. I think what Odyssey really represents for, for our players is the fulfilment of the promise that we made right at the very start of Elite, that, that we would finally allow people to get out of their ships and walk on, on planetary surfaces. 
we have the full scale. You can fly from one end of the galaxy to the other, and now you can land on, on some of the planets and explore them on foot. Yep, sorry. Here's my question. Fascar, I don't know if you can look it up real quick. I don't remember exactly when they started development on this. I know when the announcement came out. I just don't remember when they actually started development. I keep feeling like, like it was around uh, 2012. Um, but my question is this to you guys, and, and while he's looking it up, Shiver and, and Kimmy, you guys can maybe answer. You know, I saw some, you know, nice landscapes and beautiful moonscapes and planetscapes. Uh, but I still see another problem, that they're empty, just like space. Um, I didn't see any, you know, facilities or or even player interactions. And I, and I know that they're going to work on that. But I guess my question is, when we look at timelines of the development of Elite and the timeline of Star Citizen, are we basically kind of, they're starting to match up together? That slowly but surely, you know, even though Elite came out as a quote-unquote fully fleshed out game, that as far as content and... Uh, what they're offering the players as far as features and mechanics, are we starting to see that where maybe Star Citizen is a, has some things has has have better things like we've already had the procedural planets and being able to get out and walk around. Now Elite is finally introducing that. Does that put Elite ahead of us, equal to us, or behind us? And the Shiver, you go ahead and answer that one first. Technically speaking, Elite's in a way been ahead because they had their own game engine, they made. And we're good to go. Star Citizen didn't have the luxury of that. They, they've had to gut, remake, and then switch uh, their engine. Whereas, you know, be, be, not only is um, I think it's Viper Venom engine or something like that that Frontier use, mm -hmm. uh, but they developed it themselves. So they know exactly what their engine is capable of. They know what they can manipulate, what they can take out, what they can use, and what they can integrate a lot easier. CIG, a Cobra, thank you, I, right, ballpark. CIG uh, using a third-party engine, no matter what. And Dry Engine is a wonderful, wonderful engine, but it's also not very friendly to anyone who's just getting into engine building or anything like that. It is very unique. You have to be specialized in using CryEngine, which is why they've been so eager to pull in people from Crytek on so they can actually say, you know, well, do this, make that. Some of the best tech demos that were ever demonstrated, actually, uh, way back when, were using CryEngine. Uh, it was, I think, the first engine to actually implement and use PBR tech. Uh, I've seen mm. some wonderful uh, fluid dynamic demos built using CryEngine, but the problem is it is just not user-friendly to interact with, to make things on. Uh, whereas if you've got your own engine that you can build and start off with it's like yeah we know we can do this we know we can do this but even then you look at that trailer like you say it's sparse it's it's star citizen light they okay yeah they might have procedurally generated these planets and that's it we've procedurally generated the planet put them in done star citizen we've procedurally generated the planet what can we put on this planet how can we improve this technology what can we do to keep iterating upon this get this to a point where it's one looks wonderful, procedurally generated, 
then we can look at the tools that we've got to build these outposts, make these outposts feel alive. Whereas Elite Dangerous very much feels like, yeah, this is space. Where the <laughs> hell is everyone? I put the development stuff in the um, in Twitch chat. It mm -hmm. said 2012. 2012. So is that a bad... I mean, is that is that because it's too real, Shiver? Because, I mean, space would be that way. I mean, it would be vacant in reality, right? Um, that's true, but that's not a great game, is it? Right. Mm -mm. You didn't... Like, like we said with Star Wars Galaxies, as soon as you had the opportunity to be a flipping sci-fi mage with a laser sword, mm -hmm. you jump on the chance to be a sci-fi mage with a laser sword. Mm -hmm. I can be a sci-fi mage with a laser sword? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you damn right you can. <laughs> Kimmy, what about you? one in the game <laughs> Yeah, Kimmy, what about you? What, 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 any thoughts about where they're going with this? Shiver, I'd give it to you, man. That was amazing that you said those three, those three letters, PBR, physical-based rendering, and to what you say, uh, very evident that when you walk around, you see, or uh, you see these surfaces, they're very sparse, they're very uh, sterile. And when you compare that, uh, and I, again, love for both, but when you compare that to Star Citizen, oh my gosh, they are, and, and it's funny how we can say one is ahead of the other, but then you have to look at the layers of how they're doing things. and. Are they truly ahead when you, you're talking about SC doing the fauna and flora where you're, they've even showed where now you're walking through a uh, floor and it bends, it, it bends with your character, it, it mm -hmm. springs back, uh, you touch something and it reacts. And to the extent that now they're um, space crabs, uh, space cows, they're introducing uh, space creatures in the game. Whereas uh, Elite Dangerous, the only thing we can look for is that other person on the other side of that gun pointing at you to say, oh, there's another person. Uh, they're aiming at me. We're on these rocks. And, yep, they surely are there. Whereas Star Citizen, they've already put in the concepts of the space crabs, the pyro. We're talking about, you know, not just looking at these areas, but the weather effects, the cold, the, the radiation mm -hmm. uh, from pyro. All these aspects are coming in online. Again, it all speaks to you're getting this experience of, of, of this, this immense interaction mm -hmm. while things are being developed. Whereas uh, Elite Dangerous, give them credit. Yeah, they've got the entire universe out there laid out. But then how soon can they start going to each planet and giving you something to interact with? Whereas uh, SC is already put in the groundwork to say, okay, boom, we got the assets ready. Uh, Todd Pappy alluded to say, we got 115 different types of caves right now. Mm -hmm. As soon as we get the server meshing going, we're dropping them, mm -hmm. you know, things of that nature. So who's really ahead? Yeah. And, and, and re a, like Shiver said, of what's fun and what's a simulator. Well, I think to for, I have what a quick question. said earlier, let me say this real quick, Fast Car, before I forget it. Fastcar said something earlier that I think does apply to Elite, even with this point, what we're talking about. And that's the fact that one has width one has depth and i think that that is where we are right yes. now is is that there is greater depth in some aspects of star citizen but the broader wider game does lend itself toward elite were you gonna say fast card i have a quick question which one had better clock tech star citizen or elite <laughs> <laughs> um 
I've never seen cloth Techni tech in Elite Dangerous. Yeah, for real. Yeah, um, I was going to say, technically it doesn't have any cloth tech because yeah. it's all just well, textures <laughs> wrapped around the wireframe. Well, well, Kimmy just mentioned something. There's a lot of things that we don't see. Now, the Thargoids were introduced into Elite. That was the one alien race. But even that has no longer been the big thing that it was. When they first appeared, they were very uh, menacing uh, and very mysterious group. But since then, there's nothing else that's been developed in the sense of where Kimmy's talking about other fauna or other life forms. Um, so they're just now starting to introduce Flora into the game, whereas, like you said, Star Citizen has already had that. Let's look at part two to the developer diary, because this is the part I think that's going to raise a lot of ears and eyes, both with us and chat. So what's really unique about Odyssey in the Elite Dangerous Universe is that for the very first time we're going to allow people to set foot on the planets and in spaceports and explore the world in this new perspective. We've tried to maintain which is freedom of choice. And we really embrace that with Odyssey and have transposed all of those careers back down onto an on-foot experience. So when you're picking your base suit in Odyssey, um, you're really picking it based on the career and activities that you want to undertake. Each of the suits has its own strengths and, and weaknesses. So for instance, I'll be a suit that skews towards exploration, a suit that skews towards combat, and also a suit uh, which uh, you might want to wear if you were to go scavenging, uh, hunting through wrecks to find bits of equipment that might be useful to you. Odyssey will provide players with a, a clear choice. They're free to take missions, either from mission boards or mission givers, or players can go out and explore. So we allow the player to disembark at outposts, planet ports, spaceports. So all of these are great places to find work and undertake missions, but also now you can go to our new settlements, which are a kind of more Dust Bowl, Wild West um, towns that you'd find on the edges of civilization. When you find these settlements, I think you'll want to travel into them and, and see what the lay of the land is, uh, see what options and uh, opportunities they offer, and decide which way you're going to play. With Odyssey, for the first time, we'll have fully modeled and fully animated characters appearing in game, and, and they will feel part of the universe and extend the narrative that's there. They will be uh, moving through these spaces, you'll be able to interact with them, uh, some of them will speak to you, so we've had to work on getting those performances right. It's a whole new way of exploring the game. You'll hear the bartender. You'll hear announcers, you go into buildings and the soundscape changes. It's the very first time that you're experiencing the sounds of Elite Dangerous, not inside a ship or in, inside a little vehicle, but inside a body meeting people who you can relate to in places is the way you can feel grounded in this quite fantastical universe and there's going to be a lot of players transferring from the main game who have never experienced this before but will understand how it feels to be in that universe all of the npcs that you encounter in odyssey are all generated as part of the background sim so if i go to a port or a settlement the NPCs that I'm going to find there will be affiliated with the faction that owns that settlement. So we're driving some personality into our NPCs connection, uh, and I think that's an amazing addition. One of our new features and new characters um, works for a corporation called Apex Interstellar. Players will be able to book journeys to and from ports within jump range. This gives a way for those players to actually move around the galaxy for a relatively cheap uh, fee and experience gameplay 
uh, away from the ports themselves. So within the on-foot gameplay, the, the primary way of earning credits is to actually undertake missions and obviously complete them successfully. Um, but you can also do some slightly more nefarious acts. Maybe you would, you'll go to settlements and steal items and sell them onto the, um, the black market. Or you could become an explorer and, and collect samples from our new organic life. With Odyssey, we've worked really hard to maintain player agency. We want players to have the choice about how they play Elite. If players want to continue in their ship gameplay, absolutely. If they want to engage in on-foot gameplay, perfect. If they want to do both, even better. And that really has always been at the heart of Elite. It's, it's not the game we're telling you how to play, it's the game that you are creating your own story in. We're really looking forward to seeing how our players take that story forward and, and how they develop it. So fast card, we'll start with you. Give us your thoughts on uh, what you're seeing there. I'll give my thoughts during the video. Talk all over it. Sorry about that. No, but um, it looks like they take uh, 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 the question to be what can Elite Dangerous take from learn from Star Citizen? It looks like quite a bit. No, simply, what, what would you reacting to my bartender thing? I, real quick, you, you made me jump out of my skin. Was all. <laughs> <laughs> that was all. It was just something. Yeah, he did. They he got kind of too. pretend they're over there, and I was. I'm like, what the hell did Griff do? What did he do? <laughs> my bad. No. Um, yeah. Like, um, oh my gosh, fast card. <laughs> it looked great. It, 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 it's made for. It's catering to, to the start to the. Um, I see. I'm messing it up myself. It's catering to the elite dangerous crowd, the, the, with the elite dangerous lore and stuff like that. I mean, if they can pull it off, good for them. But it, it looks like they quite. They took quite a few cues from um, Star Citizen. If I, you want to say, I want to challenge. What, 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 I want to challenge that. Are they reaching out to the elite dangerous crowd, or are they trying to reach out to the Star Citizen crowd? Mm. Oh, good point. Yeah, that's fair. I'll give you that one. Mm. Yeah, they're, they're reaching out to the Star Citizen crowd and say, hey, come over here. We're already finished. <laughs> Kimmy, what about you? What did you think about what you saw? Uh, well, I mean, I love this for gamers. I mean, this is great. Mm -hmm. And then when you're talking about on the side of the, I'm not going to say the salty. I'm, I'm going to throw that out but backers who have been a little disenchanted with the progress for Star Citizen. I think this is great in the sense that now they have options. This is a countermeasure to, you know, we know that Cloud Imperium games are smart. They, they're smart people and they're not gonna sit back and, and, and rest on their laurels and look at uh, Elite Dangerous do this. And especially where you have these similarities of these these areas that's like you have to do a double take and you say to yourself, wait a minute. CIG has to say, wait a minute. The game is afoot. We got to get our act together. We got to really start pushing our content because these guys are creeping up on us. Whether you like it or not, whether you want to say it's not true or, or, or um, uh, CIG want to push it aside and say, oh, it's healthy competition or whatnot. At the end of the day, SIG is a business. And when you're talking about businesses, there's competition and there's, you don't want, you don't want to take away your base, right? You don't want another company coming in and do something better than you and take away your base. So 
there's your there's your uh, your your, um, your measure. Or there's the the thing that will push Sig to start bringing in this content uh, at a, at a faster rate because you can't just sit back and say, oh, we're gonna take our time and do things at our own pace. And but yet on the other side of that is Elite Dangerous. Oh, they got the avatars in. All of a sudden now they're they're putting in the fauna and flora. Now they got alien creatures. Oh, what the hell? What I'm gonna get over here, Elite Dangerous. Wait a minute. I'm beginning to like this. How about I stop not uh, donating? Okay. Well, this is, this is what Renegade Seven Punk says. He says, "For me, gaming is about memorable moments. ED gave me no memorable moments. SC has given me quite a few, and I feel like it, I feel like, like I felt like an NPC when I was playing uh, Elite Dangerous." Hinata uh, says, "I'm not sure ED devs are trying to take away from SC crowd, but instead are considering the recent release of Dual Universe." and the exodus of players toward that new magnet. And that may be true. And I think it may be a matter of just maybe just, not that they're trying to take us away from Star Citizen, but I definitely think, agree with what we said earlier, options, right? They're, they are getting yes. our attention again. Maybe those people who started out in ED and said, uh, you know, I don't want to do that and go back. Now, Shiver, let me throw this at you. I went, this is the, like the third time I've watched that second trailer, the second the development diary. And I noticed this time that the location where we saw people at, that looked like a, like a Port Olisar, that was actually inside of a space station because I saw the gate at the far end. So what we didn't see was locations. In other words, we didn't see anything that was on a moon or a planet. We just saw a hab or a, a rest area that was inside a station. Um, and again, when we saw the first developer diary, we didn't see any cities or, or settlements or anything like that. So what, what do you think Elite needs to do to get people to say, you know, other than just getting out of my ship and walking around in a, a rest and rehab like what we had originally in Star Citizen? What do, else do they need to do to make people consider it? And what can Star Citizen learn even from what we've seen here? Is there anything that they can learn? Elite needs to be exciting. Okay. Yes. It's the quickest and I easiest agree. way to sum it up. You you could list out all these different things that you could throw in there. You, you could even have, when you're on the hab, environmental hazards that happen, and it's a group activity to go and patch the station up before everyone chokes to death. Mm. Something like that, rather than just mission based. I'll buy some stuff it. here. I'll mm -hmm. take it over there. Might get attacked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because it's they... the easiest way to say it. In the, um, in the Dev Diary, one, he mentioned about explore. I'm sorry. sorry. In, the, in the Dev Diary, he talked about exploration, and I was going to ask you, is there any, I don't know that there's any quote-unquote exploration. I mean, other than just finding, like, new moons and planets, I don't think there's anything in there that you actually do as a player. Like, when you go down to the surface of a moon or planet, is there any exploration, per well, se? Well, the, the, evidently, there's a thing that you can you can go uh, you can go around the edges of of, of elite dangerous and in, in, in a complete circle and, and and see how fast you can do it. That's that, that that's evidently an, an achievement or a, a, a something yeah, you can do. That's in there, it. But, but, yeah. but nothing nothing in relation to this whole being able to walk around and get out of your ship thing, though, is what I'm saying, as far as yeah. we know of. Okay, I'm sorry, Shiver. Go ahead. What were you going to say? There was something else you were going to say. Renegade Seven Punk said, "These people look like they don't believe what they are saying." <laughs> And <laughs> I'm playing devil's know, it's advocate. The difference, it, it's the difference between someone working on Elite Dangerous and someone working on Star Citizen. It's yeah. like you're working at Google when you're on Star Citizen. It's a passion project. You are not there for your paycheck. You, you're, it's, you know, yeah. that's, that's part of it, but you're never going to get rich working for Cloud Imperium. 
but you are going to have uh, creative freedom to go do different things that yes. maybe other gamers, uh, maybe other games companies have turned around and said, no, we can't do that. No, we don't want that. Stop working on that. Work on this. Publisher They've got a lot more no. freedom and passion for it. Yep. Mm. Okay. Okay. That's true. They were and oh, and true. also, you can see ED, they're not doing it right. Not a single one of those NPCs were in a T-pose. <laughs> yeah, somebody said that they hadn't mastered the T-pose earlier. Saying. I saw that. That is funny. Yeah. Don't make better jokes than I make. What are you doing? <laughs> I know you're the guy, but come on. Uh, let's see. Uh, Locuson72, thank you so much for the follow. Um, okay, so uh, let's wrap this up, guys, because we, we've, we've been on this, and I, I want to get your feelings about... Uh, any of these games, um, I think one of the things that I've noticed is that after it, we've often heard this said that once Chris and David announced their games, it seems like it put a new spark into the gaming industry for space oh. games. And we definitely saw from like 2014 to maybe 2018. Captain No Pants, thank you for the follow. We, we definitely saw this Great, surge of new games, space games that popped up, Everspace yes. and a whole bunch of other stuff popped up. Um, let me ask you this. Do you think it'll be sustaining? Do you think that, uh, you know, No Man's Sky, uh, five years from now, will the interest for space games still be there? And the reason why I'm saying this is because sometimes there are ingredients for why things happen to, like, boost up all of a sudden. Um, if you look at how gaming was, where space games back in the day were the big thing, then we got into the whole D&D &D thing, right? D&D &D became the thing. Uh, that people got into. We got into Elder Scrolls and things of that nature. Then the type of military stuff came up. The Call of Duties and the battlefields came up. And then all of a sudden, we went back into space, right? We left Earth and decided we needed to find a new frontier again. Do you think by the time Elite and Star Citizen finally reach a, a, a whatever their vision is of their developer is, Will this interest still exist? Or will people have moved on to something else? Eve is one of those rare games that has sustained, but there's only one Eve. World of Warcraft has sustained, but there's only one World of Warcraft. There aren't multiple games like that. Is that something that'll be the future for space games? Will these five or six or seven games still exist? Or will some of these suckers fall off and maybe there'll only be one or two that'll still be around? I think that um, there more than likely be maybe five or six, but my fear is that every year there'll be two more space games coming out. Like we just had Squadrons um, from Star Wars. Mm -hmm. So my fear is that every year there'll be two two more to, to try and trying to get a piece of that pie, and that'll you know, make the make, make the market make the market um, st not stagnant, but people get bored bored. But if it, if it just like keep it maybe one a year or maybe one every other year, I think it'll be fine. I think Chris and David have both given the impression that they want their games to be around for a long time. They're looking for, they're not looking for the flash in the pan. They're looking for something that's going to be around 10, 15, maybe even 20 years later where other games have come and gone. And, and, and I, and I hate to say this squadrons is a lot of fun, but it's still very arcadey. And I'm really curious to see as to what they're going to do to keep it to sustain itself. Because right now, the biggest upgrades that they've talked about for making it extend are bobbleheads. That's it. <laughs> I mean, that's their new thing that they're going to give us are these different little cool aesthetic things that we can put in the cockpit. And, and, and right now, there's only four people that can play it in multiplayer. Now, if they figure out a way to expand that, 
so that now you've got 10 or 20 people who are playing in groups in multiplayer or 50 people, I can see longevity for that game very easily. But right now, I see it as a flash in the pan, and I hate to say it because it's a beautiful game, but I'm very curious to see what will happen with that. By the way, Trav, and bobbleheads were one of our uh, stretch goals for Star Citizen. That's why we're getting bobbleheads too. So, yeah. Um, Kimmy or Shiver, any thoughts about the longevity or what will happen in this industry for this? Go ahead, Shiver. Star Citizen, its appeal isn't just its setting. Elite Dangerous, its appeal is in space. You've got a lot of stuff to see and do. Well, you've got a lot of stuff to see and do the same thing over and over in many different places. Star Citizen, its appeal isn't just that it's in space and space is the great unknown. Space is one of the few final frontiers that we have not conquered yet, that mm -hmm. we haven't gone to, that is still a mystery to us as a race. So that is part of it. But there's so much to the game that it's, it's almost uh, just uh, a side effect that it's in space it doesn't matter really you you could have this it's just got so much depth as a game there is so much gameplay to come you you could be exploring the vast deepness of space getting around an abandoned space station learning the story of the fate of the crew and then the very next day you're outside uh salvaging a rock or something like that on a planet it's so much more to do in star citizen that it's going to be hard to be bored because of the very the variations of the gameplay the fact that it's got so much going on it's it is got a true living breathing universe and that that appeals to a lot of people who aren't even just into space but want a game that is something they can really sink their teeth into and see themselves playing as their game of choice mm -hmm. okay that's good thanks kimmy that's awesome any thoughts kimmy uh, that inspired me. I mean, just to think of this, that I'm, I, I've been given the opportunity to play with my friends on this panel in the ship and to go out and find adventures. You, you as well, chat, and to be able to, to hang out with you all uh, and interact in a way that no other game has ever allowed me to, uh, that in itself is amazing. Uh, this is the closest thing to our Ready Player One in that regard, <laughs> where you have these 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 relationships that that are, are building and unfolding. And again, uh, the the diamond, the cherry on the top of all of this, that what makes this stand out from all these other games is this community right here. Um, so yeah, I mean, yeah, longevity back since 2013. Uh, we look at sci-fi in itself sci-fi is in our dna everybody we know this it's in our dna what star trek did to create all these rocket uh scientists back in the day mm -hmm. uh nasa employees uh what elon musk is doing with mars and all these other aspects of of, of sci-fi uh, so yeah star citizen is right there with it as far as the the the, the graphic features and the interactions and 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 all those those fancy things that's put into the game that they're building out, yeah, it takes a long time, but uh, yeah, it, it has longevity. It's unique. Uh, it it's it has that potential that we see. We see that potential. We know it's going to happen happen at some point. Uh, we don't know exactly when, but it's there. That's why we're still here. We're still here with this game. Mm -hmm. Unlike the I other think ones. I think uh, to, to Kimmy's point, he, he, he 
country now, the final point of the, the community. I think the community, regardless of the game, whether you're with Star Citizen or Elite Dangerous, they'll probably sustain longer than longer than the game itself. Or um, they'll, they'll keep they'll help to keep them to maintain the, the game. For, like you said, um, Star Citizen wants to be around for ten years. I don't know about Elite Dangerous community. But Star Citizen has a very strong community. I can see it going for like maybe 15. Well, so yeah, I was going to say, I, I, again, I think that both uh, David and um, Chris Fresh. are looking at a long-term vision for these games. I'm curious yeah. as to how the community will be. I mean, I, I know there are plenty of people who will continue to support this game. I'm not too worried about that. I'm just worrying about the genre of space games whether or not five years from now, the only thing that will still be standing may be just Elite and Star Citizen and Eve. You know, I'm wondering because of some of these other games, I don't see them. And, it's, and No Man's Sky too, for that matter, because No Man's Sky, there's constant development on it and they're expanding. It's just going to be interesting to see where that one goes. But there's been a lot of space games that have come and gone already. And I'm really curious to see uh, which ones are going to be standing. And I think that to Kimmy, your point earlier, competition is good for pushing the envelope between yes. these two games. Um, so that not, and I don't think it's a matter of one upping each other as much as it is. What are the offerings that people can have to even for some yes. people move between those two games, literally, you know, that, you know, I'm, I'm playing this and you know what? I think I'll jump into elite for a little bit, you know? And then when I get tired of elite, you know what? I'll jump back into star system. I think that's good. I think it's good to be able to have, as you said, those type of options for the gaming community, particularly those who are really into the whole space thing, that we have all those options yes. out there that are pretty good. Uh, I hate to say it, Eve is not the game that I'm jumping back and forth from. <laughs> I tried that two or three <laughs> times and lost my mind. I said, no, my brain, I have, it was like, you know what, Shiver? It was like going into rehab, getting away from Eve. I, there's just Toxic. no way I could go back. Oh, God, I, I tried. I just, I tried to talk myself Toxic. into it. I looked at all the thousands of hours I put into it. I, I fired it up a couple times. All I could do is look at my ship spinning on that little disc, and that was it, man. I said, there's <laughs> no way, man. I can't do it. I can't. I feel you. I, I was just saying, man, I played Eve for three or four years. But when I was quitting Eve, I kept coming back, especially like like a free trial that that, that um, CCP offered every once in a while for, for my character. That I, I do like a, a long skill train, and, you know, I try to get back into it. And nope, it, it, I, it, 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 it lost it for, for, for me. Sir, Excel exists. <laughs> he said Excel. <laughs> yeah, okay, right. Alpha's, I mean, uh, uh, with regard to the space genre, though, yeah, uh, things are just, I think things are just starting to get popular because uh, we've got a new Star Trek series mm, right now. Mm -hmm. We've got Mandalorian. Yeah, Mandalorian. Two, three, Picard, yeah. four, four new Star Trek series on the way. Mm -hmm. We've got a lot oh, yeah, more things right. for space. Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, they're talking about doing a DS9 thing with Cisco. Yes, fantastic. Yeah, uh, the, the expanse. Nickelodeon Kids thing and new series of Picard. Admiral Kusanagi said, "I want a Star Trek game with SC's depth, and then I'm gone." Me too. Yeah, we yes. haven't had a decent Star Trek <laughs> yes. game forever. I agree. Yeah, I agree. This is why I'm agree. playing these bloody TTRPGs of Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I hear you. Alpha, Alpha, I, I agree with what you said. Side of it, yeah. yeah, Alpha, I agree with what you said about ED sound design. It is. In fact, 
Some of you remember back in the day when combat first was implemented in Elite Dangerous, many people compared it to how terrible the weapons in Star Citizen ships sounded. They talked about how Star Citizen's weapons sounded so tinny and weak, and Star Citizen has stepped up their game in relation to sound design. I think that it's 10 times, 100 oh. times better than what it was when it was first implemented, but that's a very good observation. And again, we're not trying to tear down Elite Dangerous. We're just talking oh. about what are those differences between the games because there are differences, and if CIG, once again, could learn anything from EVE, Elite Dangerous, or... Star Wars Galaxies. That game was my heart, guys. If there was any uh. sci-fi MMO, I just love Star Wars Galaxies. Anyway, we're going to wrap this up. We've had a fun night tonight. We went a good, oh my God, two and a half hours tonight. <laughs> we're doing a coffee table tonight. We're doing a Paul Shelley. We're doing a Paul Shelley tonight, man. We, we haven't got to the point where we're doing a yacht club, though, because those guys are the marathon runners. <laughs> we haven't gotten to that. But we when did you say do doing a Paul, a Paul Shelley, do you mean someone's going to go to the loo on stream and broadcast it? <laughs> Oh. oh my god, did that okay. really happen? Paul, make sure you okay. remember yeah. make sure you remember who said that. Make sure you remember. Oh no. All right. We'll never right. ask him about his golden handshake. <laughs> All right. We are going to sign off at this point because it's obviously late oh. and Shiver needs to go to bed. But uh Shiver, <laughs> if you would like to tell people where they can find you, please do. I'm Shiver Battery. I do various TTRPGs here on Twitch. Uh, you can find me. I'll just do the twitch.tv Table of Horrors. Uh, uh, Twitter is at Table of Horrors. We do a weekly VTM game and once a month we currently broadcast Star Trek Adventures. It's great fun. We also run a second game with... Oh yeah, he's that way. With, with this mad guy. Baskar, and I'm still slowly teasing Griffin to yes, get him in as well. I know. Because, uh, I need to make time. And hopefully, at some point, we'll be able to broadcast that one as well because those guys are mad. <laughs> and uh, just to do the one other show that you know, if you do oh, fuck, show. yeah, oh, relay, yeah, <laughs> oh my god, could you imagine not mentioning that? Oh my god, that's hilarious, yeah, that's yes. relay underscore sc on Twitch. We they nice. they we they they do a weekly podcast about Star Citizen and. I'm legally obliged to tell you about their unnamed game show, which is <laughs> Tuesdays. Tuesday, around oh, nice. 9 p.m. Eastern. <laughs> okay. Kimmy, tell people where they can find you, please. I'm always hanging out on Twitch. Uh, just like the name at the bottom, Kimmy65, you'll see me on uh, Twitch. More than likely streaming Star Citizen, talking about the game. Uh, stick is the thing now, so... Hit me up on any questions about it, and I'm telling you, it's a game changer, man. Let me tell you, I am knocking out opponents like crazy with the dual sticks, okay? But yeah, I'm there, man, shooting uh, shooting streams out of Star Citizen. Kimmy swears by his dual sticks. He has been in love ever since he's got them all configured and ready, so he's he's good to go. And last but not least, Fast Cart. Oh, I want to say thank you to Coach Nagy for mentioning buy some soul, soul merchandise. You can buy a t-shirt, mug, and game uh, mouse pad from our store. So check the link below for that. And check out, or you you can do the social media stuff after that. But I'm um, FastCart. You can find me on Twitter.com, forward slash fast underscore cart. I'm on Miss Hart's show on Tuesday for that show, for that for my 80s show. We play um, 80s music, and I do um, R&B. 
have an R&B 80 set during her show. So that's at 8 p.m. on Tuesday Eastern. And oh I'll be on this guy's, uh, I, I don't know which, which way to point, but I'll be on Silver's uh, stream too. I'll be either in chat or in, um, or playing the game. That's on Wednesdays and Fridays or Saturdays, depending on the week. He's on your left. <laughs> Very cool. Well, listen, guys, thank you guys so much for being here with us tonight. We really, really appreciate you. Uh, Glaystone, that will never happen. I've done org stuff before, and it's <laughs> enough to send you into the insane asylum. So no, it's, I have plenty I'm, of fun yeah. with the guys that we have right now and the ladies that we have right now. <laughs> I know Gigi was out there earlier. Thanks, Gigi, for hanging out and talking to everybody. And uh, again, to all the nerds who came in and hung out with us, we really appreciate you guys being here as well. Thank you for anybody who gave support to the charity for the St. Jude Children's Hospital uh, that we did for the War of the Worlds on Friday. If you gave tonight, we really, really appreciate that. Hopefully, we're going to reach our target of 2,000. Our target was 1,000. We're hoping to double it. But if not, we really appreciate what you guys did. And of course, the kids at St. Jude will obviously appreciate it as well. So we are going to do a raid. And our raid is going to be to, uh, let's see, it says he's intended for, yeah, we're going to be going to Deranged Dad, Deranged Dad. So you guys make sure that you give a shout to Deranged Dad. He only has a few people watching him, so we're going to surprise him with a nice little raid. Say nice. hi to him. Uh, I'm going to say hi to him as well. Hang out with him if you can for a little bit just to give him some time and help his numbers get up because we want to support other folks within the community. And to Shiver, once again, thank you for being our special guest tonight, especially so last minute. We appreciate you oh, being seven, here and Shiver, sharing thank with you. us. And you guys and take don't care be a minute to be Take care of yourselves, and Don't be guys. a minute to South Central while drinking and using the herd, please. Yeah. <laughs> take care of yourselves, guys. Don't forget, if you're in the U.S., vote this week. Take care of yourself. Stay healthy. Yes. And we will see and you soon. And wear a mask. As always, love, peace, and soul. We're out of here. Have a good night, guys and ladies. <laughs>